where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Out of the gun with McIntosh to his left. Two receivers split out wide, a three to the right now. Bennett looking right, throws to the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown. Len McCarkey just in bounds on the near side, a 14-yard touchdown for McCarkey. Let's get nasty on the two sets of Fastlane on 101 ESPN. And that was last, uh, nasty last night as Georgia, I think they just got into the end zone again, in fact, against TCU, the national championship game. Practice or third stringers just did it. Yeah, they they basically at one point, Jamie, after after they gave the curtain call to guys like uh, Stetson Bennett and some of their players that are likely to go to the NFL, uh, at one point I felt like, Kirby Smart just kept going to the locker room and saying, yeah. just, who wants who wants to play quarterback tonight? Who wants to be the running back? You're likely going to score. You're likely going to have <laughs> your best game, the, the best moment of your life. Just get in the game. You're likely going to score in a national championship yeah. game. Yeah, who wants to play? 65-7 to seven <laughs> last night. Jamie, you called that. You called this one. You called it from the start. You said, flat out, this is, this is going to be ugly. People were pushing back. Yep. Against us mm-hmm. on the tax line yesterday when we were talking about this game, Marshy, like a month and a half ago, you said if it's Georgia TCU, it's going to Georgia's going to win by forty plus. Mm-hmm. But Jamie, you had said this one's going to be over at halftime. It was. It was absolutely over at halftime. Yeah, I'm not happy about it. I'm really not. I mean, I, just like a lot of people around the country, I wanted to see a really good competitive national championship game, and there was a small part of me, quite honestly, that was like. I'd like to see TCU. I knew they weren't going to win. I'd like to see them, like, you know, make it interesting because that creates a buzz. And then, you you know, you're glued to the TV and you're really into the game. Anthony, I texted you guys last night. Was it the end of the first quarter? I said, I'm not even watching it anymore. I think you made it to almost halftime. Was it almost halftime? Yeah. Okay. You probably felt that way after the first quarter. Well, after the first quarter, I know I was cooking dinner and getting stuff ready for the kids. We were like, and then... Then after that, you're right. It was closer to halftime, and I'm like, ah, guys, I'm not even watching it anymore. So I, I texted you guys, and I was like, I think it was ten nothing <laughs> at this point. I go, this game's over, and then TCU scored a touchdown. I go, we got ourselves game, <laughs> and then like maybe thirty minutes later, so I start cooking dinner. I'm not looking at my phone, and all I, I look at my my phone uh, notification. I just get a. Jamie Rivers laughed at your message. (laughs) (laughs) It was nasty. It was. I I don't like it. It was boring. Like, if you're a Georgia fan, you're not even happy. Like, you're happy you won, but you're like, yeah, that's kind of a crappy game. So I did. uh, I hosted the Twitter spaces. We got, like, this bet prep thing that we do at halftime of every Friday college football game that we did this season. And then 
the playoff games, some of the bowl games, and last night, you know, we we jump on this call with Brad Powers, and I said this 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 right now is like a cat playing with a mouse. I couldn't have been more wrong about that. You guys seen the original Jurassic Park, right? Like the mm. the OG, oh, not yeah. not Jurassic not World. Not what I expected either. No. Wow. I yeah, same thing for with me. I, th- uh-huh. I think I was in, like, fifth grade or something. I'm like, I don't want to go see dinosaurs. That first scene, I'm like, this is incredible. Yeah, I was like, this oh, is going to be the greatest movie ever. I remember being, like, um, on a road trip. I, was playing, like, I think I was playing maybe minor in the minors. I'm like, ah, yeah. taking this, oh, whatever. You know, if, I, right. if it's bad, I'll take a nap. I'm like, yo! <laughs> the chairs are rumbling. I'm like, this is not what I yeah, expected. This is incredible. Anyways. All right, so I said last night, George playing TCU. It's like, it's like a cat playing with a mouse. Do you remember the scene? And it's it's from 1994, so there's no spoilers when it's you know when the movie came out in '94. But do you remember the scene when the T-Rex, you know, destroys the bathroom and the lawyer is oh, yeah. is on is on the toilet? <laughs> the lawyer was TCU. Oh! Georgia was T-Rex. That that was horrendous. Like the lawyer looking up, knowing this is. This is not gonna. This is not gonna go well for me. Still not not a good outcome. That was TCU last night. The only reason why they scored is because Georgia blew a coverage to allow TCU to get down to that point, and then TCU a couple of RPOs later, they're in the end zone. Congratulations. That was Georgia messing up more than you did anything. Mm-hmm. But TCU deserved to be there. So here's the next thing, Jamie, because this is what we're hearing this morning. Did they? They. Okay. This is what we're hearing this morning, Jamie. He's waving his finger at me, man. Alabama right, should have been there. Alabama, it should have been Alabama. Are you telling me that Alabama wasn't better than TCU? Anybody that watched any Alabama game compared to TCU could tell you that Alabama was is a better football team. Set that aside. If I were doing a power rankings, Alabama would absolutely be ranked above TCU. Set that aside. Because Alabama did not earn their way into the playoffs. TCU did. I know they lost to Kansas State. It was their only loss. If you're sitting here today saying it should have been, Bama should have been a playoff team. Yeah, they should have, based on their talent. You're absolutely right. You lost to Tennessee. You lost to LSU. They they had a chance to be. Did they have a harder schedule than TCU? Yes. Did they? But it's a conf. If you're if you're gonna have the conferences, then this is the this is the rules everybody plays by. I hate the conferences. People still love them. College football, you got to win your conference. Why? Who cares? If we really want the best teams, then college football, the playoff committee, or these power five conferences that are running things, they need to figure out to create a a, a balanced schedule. If not, you're going to get what you had last night. But TCU punched its ticket into the national title game by beating Michigan. Yeah. I'm sorry. This is not a conversation about whether or not Alabama has better athletes than TCU. They do. This isn't a conversation about whether or not Alabama would have given Georgia a game last night. They would have. Would they? You still have to earn your right into the playoffs and then earn your right into the title game. TCU did. And then it was a landslide. It was T-Rex versus the lawyer. Well, Anthony, there's a lot of questions that are out there, too, from passionate college fans. And I know that Andrew here, our guy, DJ Marshy Marsh, scrolling through the interwebs, found a very passionate college football fan um, that um, 
has expressed himself, well, quite well. And we're going to answer some of his questions and we're going to comment on some of his his comments. So, Marshy, could you please bless us with this audio? On the college football playoff committee, congratulations. You need to pat yourself on the back because you have screwed every college football fan in this country tonight. That's what you have done. You have done that. Look at this right here, 45 to 7. Okay? And look at this. They just luckily he dropped the ball. <laughs> what 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 is this? What is this? Okay, so what is this? Anthony, going back to your original um, statement about, hey, they punched their way into the final against Georgia, but they lost to K-State. Yep. Like, how does that happen, and then they end up in the national championship game? Well, they beat Michigan. That's how they That's how they got to the national Why? championship. How did that happen? Because I'm watching Michigan that, choked but, on applesauce. Okay, but the, okay, and TCU so, took advantage. So that's that's the answer. Because I'm watching last night's game and I'm remembering watching Michigan play and thinking to myself, I, I think this would have been a way better game if it was Michigan against Georgia. It wouldn't. It wouldn't have been 65 to seven. But Michigan wasn't hanging. It wasn't hanging with Georgia. They couldn't hang with Georgia a year ago. If you can't beat TCU. The team that lost last night, sixty-five to seven to Georgia. I'm sorry, you're not beating. You're not beating Georgia either. No, I know. So instead of sixty-five-seven, it might be forty-five to I don't know seventeen. But is it's still going to be a blowout. Georgia this year. Alabama's the only team that that really had a but shot. But then they should. How does that happen then? So you say Alabama, every Alabama, Alabama. They lost. Exactly. That's so my point. What is the guarantee that they would have done well against Georgia? There is no guarantee. They might have got their asses handed to them. They may have, but Alabama at least has the. When you're watching that game last night, the talent, the, the overall talent discrepancy was there. It was the, it was obvious. I mean, say what you want about Max Duggan. Max Duggan had a great year. The kid couldn't set his feet because he had Georgia defensive linemen in in his grill almost virtually from the snap. There's a couple of those. I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, he he, he got the ball. He like for the the play Jaylen. action. He turned and before, like they were almost getting the ball before he could fake the handoff. It was brutal. <laughs> he had no shot last night. And did he play well? No, but I, I don't know what you want out of him. What could he have done? Let's just be exactly. Honest. I mean, when you're when you're watching that game and Jalen Carter is almost taking the handoff on most of the plays from Max Duggan, you know you got an issue, TCU. <laughs> Quentin Johnson too, the, their talented wide receiver from TCU. I thought that was a rough night for him as well because this uh, Marvin Harrison schooled Lassiter in that playoff game. In that semifinal playoff game, Marvin Harrison from Ohio State absolutely schooled several Georgia cornerbacks. Yeah. It, it wasn't just Lassiter. It was it, it was Ringo as well. Turned him around, got him sideways. George and Paul. Quentin Johnson's supposed to be TCU's main guy. And he, you didn't hear him last night. You didn't hear anything from TCU. Mm-hmm. That was rough. The offensive tackles had a rough game. They obviously the defense was on the field the entire time. Nick Saban brought up a great point too. He's like, hey, he's like, you can run tempo, go for it. If you can't pick up third downs, tempo's not going to matter. Doesn't matter. And he's absolutely, he was absolutely right. Yeah. Go as fast as you want. All you're doing is running your offense off the field yeah. and putting stats and better back your on defense it. back on the field. Exactly. Quickly. Well, we got a little bit more audio here before we we cut out on this one. I definitely want to get to to our passionate college fan once again. This is a national championship game. That's what this is. It is 45 to 7. You thought TCU belonged in this game? 
What was the qualifications, college football playoff committee? What was their qualifications? Getting beat by Kansas State. That qualifies you for this game, <laughs> the biggest game of the year. The game that every college football fan, no matter what team they pull for, looks forward to. And this is the garbage that you gave us. Well, hopefully, uh, but thank you very much for that passionate statement. Hopefully your heart rate comes down <laughs> sometime before the end of the month. Um, but the qualifications, it is what it is. This, to, I guess to to really broaden the conversation on this, this was the year you needed to expand the playoffs. Mm-hmm. This was the year. And I know you couldn't do it like at the very end. I'm sure if college football could have said, hey, uh, we're going to pull an audible here. Eight teams now or whatever it is. Right. They would have, but they couldn't. But this year was a perfect example of that. Uh, although I don't know if... I don't know if we'd be looking at a different national championship, uh, national champion, which I don't think you would be, but maybe you would have ended up with a more competitive championship game. Yeah. I don't know. You're that right. was boring. You're right. You're right on the A teams, because at least you would have you would have theoretically well, had some, got their chance there. Yes, you would have had some at large stuff, uh-huh. right? But if you're ticked off last night, well, is this you know college football playoff playoff committee? This is what you did to everybody. Okay, technically Alabama did this to you. Technically, USC did this to you. Technically, Tennessee, who college football, the college football playoff committee put, put first, by the way. They put Tennessee above Georgia. Gave Tennessee every opportunity. Hey, run the table, Tennessee. Yeah, and then you're in the playoffs. You're right, and they Anthony. got smoked by Georgia. Anthony, it's not often that I say this, but you're right. Thank you. You're welcome. So this guy, this guy hooting and hollering, talking about well, the college football playoff committee, you did this to us. No, you did. No, Tennessee did this to you. USC did this to you. Alabama did this to you. If TCU could play any speck of defense, maybe they're in the college football playoff. And by the way, has everybody forgot the semifinal games two weeks ago? This is the best. That was the best semifinal pair of games that we have had in college in, in the college football playoff history. I know we're not going back too far here. That was that was sensational. Those were great, Anthony. They were. They did a great job in the semifinals. The final was an absolute. It was a joke. Pile of dog. It was steaming. You know what? Hopefully they have the playoffs. Maybe fix some of this stuff moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Good idea, Anthony. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right, it's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Uh, we'll talk about the Blues now. Blues Flames pregame starting at six o'clock tonight. Expectations now for this defense. We could t- we could talk about the fact that Vladimir Tarasenko is out and Ryan O'Reilly's out. Well, you've seen Braden Shen and Braden Saad step up, among others. Tory Krug is out. This defense, though, is mostly intact outside of Tory Krug. So, what are some proper expectations for this defense? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. You owe us all an apology. Every one of you that's on that committee that pulled some crap like this deserves us all an apology. And I want it. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I thought that, you know, our veteran guys really stepped up and did a good job back there. But the young guys really... Did what they had to do for us to be successful. 
Those Blues head coach Craig Ruby, who will join us at some point during the week. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. Blues Flames pregame starting at 6 o'clock. I had mentioned in the tease, Jamie, that, you know, look, Tory Krug is out, but the defense is mostly intact. Well, it was. Uh, as we know, Robert Bertuzzo is is out. You had mentioned that toward the end of the show yesterday, the, the Blues sharing the news that uh, Robert Bortuzzo is going to be out for some time as well. What, what if this group ultimately you know, kind of comes together like we have seen with the forward group. Maybe maybe I should state this a different way. How do you see this this defense coming together despite the fact that they've got multiple injuries just like the forward group? Well, sometimes simplifying the game can make it easier. And, you know, the guys that the Blues have out right now in Krug, Letty, and Bortuzzo, Bortz is probably the guy out of those three that keeps it, you know, pretty simple out there. Uh, makes direct plays, plays physical, block shots, does all those things. But Letty and Krug are, are more of um, transition-type defensemen. Obviously, Krug tries to create offensively as much as possible, and Nick Letty is uh, certainly one of one of the best zone exit defensemen in the NHL. He makes a nice tape-to-tape pass or carries it out. So a little more, a little more um, sugar and spice to his game, whereas right now with Tucker – Rosen and Santini specifically in the lineup, you got to take that out a little bit. You got to dial it back, get a little more vanilla. And that's why I think Callie Rosen has done so well uh, during his time when the Blues have called upon him is that he doesn't try to do too much. He doesn't step outside of the comfort zone too far to do something that he's not equipped to do. Uh, and he's had success. So when I look at Tyler Tucker the other night, I thought he had himself a pretty good game. This one time he kind of got walked a little bit, a little bit of that welcome back to the NHL moment where, hey, these guys are pretty good. Even the third liners are pretty good in this league. Yeah, they are. Uh, they're probably third and fourth liners are probably first liners in the American Hockey League for the most part. So you got to make sure that you're treating every player the same. But Tucker brings an element to this lineup that I don't think you have. You know, he's physical. You watch him out there, he, he's kind of nasty. He finishes his hits, and guys know when he's out there. You know, Nico Mikula brings a different kind of sandpaper. He's not so much a you know, run all over the place and knock guys on their keister, but he's always hanging off of guys, and there's a stick or an elbow that pop up. He's annoying to play against. Craig Berube's talked about that, too. He's just kind of an annoying guy out there when it comes to playing against him. And Steven Santini, he's got good skill. And moves the puck well, skates well. He's not afraid to put the puck on net, which I like. I mean, that shows confidence. When you got a young defenseman, or in this case, you know, a mid-level defenseman, because he's not a young guy anymore. He's more of a, you know, the, that middle-of-the-road guy. Put the puck on net. You know, show some confidence. And what Santini does well is he changes the puck lane. And so instead of just burying his head and shooting the puck and having it blocked, he takes a little sidestep of six inches to a foot and then just wrists it on net. It creates opportunity. And one thing that it does is it, it it takes away the fanciness of it all. You're not looking for a bigger, better play to where all of a sudden it can get picked off. You don't get a shot on net. You don't get an opportunity, and the opposition's headed back towards your net. Now you're defending, which you don't want to do. So when you look at the blue, the Blues' defensive core overall, it's a much simpler group now when it comes to style of play, but I still like it. Tucker playing with Justin Falk. At least this was reported from Morning Skate today. Callie Rosen going to play with Steven Santini. Nico Mikola still with Colton Pareko. That's a group that just has to get the puck to the forwards. Defend well, protect the house, move the puck up the ice, and let those guys go to work. But schematically, though, we were talking about this last last week, Jamie. If if you don't, if you start to overextend yourself, even from you know that like simple stay in you know stay. I don't want to use the wrong lingo here, but compact the house, mm-hmm. stay in front of, 
your you know stay in front of Bennington or Grice, but we've seen guys in this system perhaps go out too far or they get out of position quickly because it's it's what kind of the scheme calls for. I can't imagine that that changes much with Bortuzzo out. Uh, no, not really. Uh, here's the thing that what happens is the Blues defensemen, in my opinion, take too long to get out to be aggressive, and then when they're aggressive, they come back too quickly to the house, and therefore it allows guys to get open following uh, one or two passes, and all of a sudden you start to scramble. What I did notice against Minnesota specifically in the first two periods of the night was – the first defender, whether it was a forward or a defenseman, were way more aggressive, quickly, stick on puck, body through body, and then they were lingering around a little bit to making sure they keep that guy in check, almost like a bump and run kind of coverage where mm-hmm. you got the guy, you got the guy, but you're headed back towards the house, making sure that the puck doesn't go back there. So schematically, maybe they're changing things a little bit, but this, you know, when you're keeping it very simple, it's almost better because sometimes when you look at Krug or Letty, Um, Not so much Bortuzzo because he does keep it pretty simple, but they're looking to get the puck and make a play. So they go out, they're aggressive to the corner, they get the puck, and then they're looking for a little bump pass to the middle of the ice, and then they're looking to jump past their first guy and get going, which is great. That's what you want. This is the new NHL. Get going. Get on your horse and get up the ice. Fine. But when you're struggling sometimes in your own zone, and, and maybe you're struggling on zone exits at times or turnovers to really kind of simplify it, Maybe the best play is just get it off the glass and out. Let your forwards get to work. You got you know three heavy lines now up front. You've got your dynamic line of Thomas Kairou and Buchnevich. After that, some some blue collar guys. Let them let the dogs eat a little bit in the neutral zone. Don't worry about it. And so I think that when you look at what you have now currently on defense, that's it, it's way more vanilla to the point of we're going to be very predictable and we're just going to outwork you. One thing that I, I did want to bring up specifically is block shots. The other night, the Blues had, what, 35 block shots, something like that? I'd have to pull it up. It's irrelevant to what the the total number was. It was a lot of block shots. 15 of the block shots came from the defensemen in particular, the rest from the forwards. Here's some interesting stats for you. Uh, Our guy over at Bally Sportsman West, Dave Otto. i got to give him full credit for this. I didn't go pull this out of my ear. Dave Otto did. And since 2007-2008 for the Blues, here's their record when they block shots. If they block 15 or more shots, they're 298, 117, and 61. Mm-hmm. They block 20 or more shots, they're 84 wins, 21 losses. They block 25 or more, 13 wins, 5 losses. And anytime they block 30 or more, they're 1 and 0. So blocking shots equates to winning hockey games. And that's why in the NHL today, you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Last year, they didn't win the Stanley Cup. I get it. But they won it two years before that in a row. What's the one thing that you notice that I know you notice? Steven Stamkos dropping down, blocking shots in the playoffs. Kucherov blocking shots. Braden Point. Braden Point. All these guys. The Victor Hedman is a shot blocking machine. Why? Because blocking shots translates to winning hockey games. And right now, that's what we noticed about the Blues the other night against the Minnesota Wild in particular. So you talk about the D core, you know, maybe not having that that. That flash or that flare, great, fine, go eat pucks for me. I don't care. That puck doesn't get to the net. It goes through you first. And they did that the other night, and they got a big win. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Blues, Flames, pregame. 
immediately following the fast lane at six o'clock tonight. We have the Gauntlet 2.0. We'll need a new contestant after yesterday. We're one and zero in Gauntlet 2.0. Undefeated, Anthony. Worked, uh, worked well, I thought. And I think, and we got a really good response out of it too. People seem to enjoy it. Yeah. It, for those that missed it, what we're doing now is you pick the opponent. The wheel chooses your fate, though. In other words, you can choose Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, or myself. But then we spin the wheel for the category. You may get Jamie Rivers in hockey. You may get Jamie Rivers in baseball. Oh, my two categories. It's still the gauntlet, though. Baseball guy. So you got to go. You just go through three of us now since BT's not with the show full time. And we will have BT coming up, I think, next week. He might start with the. We don't know. Nobody knows. Hopefully, he starts uh, next week when it comes to mixing him in. He'll be on Fast Lane once uh, once or twice an hour. No, I'm sorry. He'll, a couple of hours a week, I should state. And uh, then we'll kind of mix him in a little a little bit. But Gauntlet 2.0 coming up at 4 o'clock. We do need a contestant, though, if you want to participate. One of the strangest stories in baseball over the last month or so just got stranger. <laughs> we'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The Mets wanted to mitigate the risk. They felt there was a risk. I, I don't know. It's very difficult to gauge, to pinpoint exactly when that risk will come into play. Carlos had the injury in 2014, hasn't received any treatment, nor has he been on the injured list for that injury since 2014 when he was in the minors but two doctors did flag it and certainly the Mets were cautious about it they wanted to mitigate the risk and over the first six years which are the guaranteed years the Twins did offer 42.5 million dollars more the Mets were being careful they also my understanding is the Mets also wanted to give Carlos a physical every year of the contract as well that was John Heyman he was on MLB Network with Mad Dog Radio talking about Jamie, the strangest situation over the last month plus now with Carlos Correa. Yeah, okay, so I just wrote a couple things down here, and before we dive into this situation, I I have to get clarification on this, Anthony, and I know we just heard it, so I know it's true. This is an injury they're talking about in 2014 while he was in the minors that they're concerned about. And since then, according to John Heyman and according to everybody, quite honestly, uh, Carlos Correa has not been on the the IR for any injury pertaining to what that injury was in 2014. Yeah, he he missed some time with a back injury. But but the the one they're flagging is whatever the injury was in 2014. Mm -hmm. Anthony, my math isn't great, but that's nine years ago. Mm -hmm. Or eight, eight and a half, depending on where it falls in the calendar year. And he's never been on the IR for said injury or one pertaining to that. I find it weird that he's gone all this time, one, playing for many years, and then when he went to free agency, he signs with the Twins last year. I didn't hear anything about this ever. Did you? No. And now the Giants flag it, then the Mets flag it, and now the Twins are okay with it. Like, I'm very perplexed as to what the hell is going on here. Uh, same. I, you know, Jamie, you had mentioned the two teams that you said to use your word flagged, flagged the situation with Carlos Correa. And again, if you if you missed it, Jeff Passan of ESPN reported earlier today that the Twins and Carlos Correa are finalizing a six-year, two hundred million dollar contract. He played one year for them last year, opted out. The Giants 
threw a bunch of money at him and then said, whoop, whoop, uh, nope, we're worried about your physical. To the point where Scott Boris pivoted and said, okay, Giants, you're lost. Mets, get the Mets on line one. Get Steve Cohen on line one. And Mets say, yep, here we go. We're 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 throwing we're going to throw caution to the wind. We're going with Carlos Correa. And then they flag the, the physical as well. And the Twins say, no big deal, six years, $200 million. Now, I know there's a there's like incentives and there's playing time stuff. I, I get all that. Set that aside, Jamie. Let's just use common sense here for a second. Though. Yeah. The Mets and Giants couldn't be any more opposite when it comes to how they're building a roster. So um, managerial style, not baseball, or organizationally. Organizationally. I'm, ta- I'm talking front office, like building a roster. hangs on to their money pretty tight the other one just can't get rid of it fast enough pretty much okay but the giants very analytically driven the, the only reason i think that they're willing to get a little sloppy with their money is because they don't have an attraction right now a, pl- a player that that's going to drive fans to the seats the giants so, yeah so yeah. they they threw because there's no more buster posey you know, Brandon Belt just signed with the Blue Jays. Brandon Crawford's playing on his last legs. Like, there's no the 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 three World Series championships that were won from 2010 to 2014 with the Giants. Th- those players are, are done. So they they went after Aaron Judge. He goes back to the Yankees. The pivot was fine. We'll throw a bunch of money at Correa. We got to spend. They it. did, and they did. This is a smart, risk averse organization the Mets as we know with Steve with Stephen Cohen is let's party we're the wild west we don't care (laughs) luxury tax we don't care (laughs) what is this luxury tax you speak of throw a bunch of money at them let's go win a world series so two different organizations stylistically front office wise they both passed the Mets is the biggest puzzling one to me or the most puzzling one to me, because with the way Cohen has proclaimed to go for a world, bring a World Series championship to that city within three to five years, or whatever his timeline was when he first took over the team, and then for him to just step in, throw a bunch of money at Correa, mm-hmm. and basically, I don't even care, he's announcing it on his own Twitter yeah, page. He hey, jumped we, on the mic. We've got him. And so I'm wondering, like, what popped up? Like, or did the insurance companies say, we can't insure the contract, so if this thing goes belly up, it's out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the texts there, we've had this before we've talked about, they're like, what is this insurance? I, I, I don't understand the insurance. Teams have to insure, they don't have to, it's in their best interest, to insure all of the top dollar contracts that they have. I don't know in Major League Baseball if there's a maximum that they can. I know in the NHL there used to be a maximum of like four or five contracts that you had to insure, or you didn't have to. You would choose to insure because there's lots of money. So the teams do that so that medical situations where if a guy is in a 12-year contract and three years in he has a career-ending injury or he's out for a year and a half for Tommy John, which we'll get into that in a minute, uh, the insurance company will pay the freight. It doesn't come off your team's salary cap or luxury tax or anything like that, but the insurance will pick up that player's payroll because you've insured his contract based upon injury. So I'm wondering if that didn't happen to where they're like, yeah, he's not hurt, um, seems fine, but we can't insure the contract. 
based on that, if that pops up or rears its ugly head again, you will be on the hook for all of that money. And that's why I think, like John Heyman said, I believe the Mets said something about a a medical every year to make sure, because then they can insure this player year to year rather than a bulk number of years on his contract. So I don't know what the hell is going on. This is from 2014. He's never missed a game since due to that injury. So it's very puzzling. And the Mets not bucking up and staying with it no matter what is also extremely puzzling. I just don't understand what, what the Twins what the twins are doing. Now, you have brought up the point, and you're right. The Twins just had him, and he didn't miss any games last year. I missed nothing. Now, I, I, I think the Twins are probably going to have to put him in a Dior store somewhere. Probably. What's the other part of it? He like was, if I'm Dior, he was I'm a dropping a store on purpose, like right next to the stadium. Put in a mall in America. No, I wouldn't do that. All right, fair enough. He was a turd. He was. He was arrogant last year. I, I didn't have. I didn't think that there was any Can't way. the fans that welcome him back. Any way that he was going to go back to Minnesota. But so, well, I, I, I don't. This doesn't make any sense to me mm. whatsoever. For the Giants to say, oh, and then the Mets to go, ah. That's the biggest one. I don't get it. I'm not shocked at all that they did that. Marsh, you've been a Twins, a lifelong Twins fan. Absolutely not. You can't understand the Twins. I do, because my friends enjoy them, (laughs) and I feel bad for them. My friends enjoy Twins, too. Um, Now, there's other news news in Major League Baseball (laughs) pertaining to the shortstop position. Trevor Story, Mm -hmm. out. They traded him? Nope. Tommy John surgery. Cottleville Chris nailed it. <laughs> Tommy John surgery for the Red Sox. So all of the shortstop position guys, it's kind of been this weird little off season. Well, yeah, they could have brought back Xander Bogart too. Yeah, they chose Apparently to let Boston. him go. Yeah, and because we got Trevor Story, yeah, you know you what don't. they could have though? Paul DeYoung could be yours, Boston. Hey, send over. Uh... Boy, I don't even know who we want in Boston anymore. Who cares? <laughs> it's like Red Rover. That's a good point. Yeah, uh, Just send over. Hey, you know what? You choose the player. Just Paul take DeYoung, this guy. That, that, the green monster in Fenway, although looking intimidating, it's in pretty close. His story is going to miss four to six months. It's not a bad idea. I know. It's Call not me. a bad idea. You get a picture out of it. Chris Sale. Oh, God. Send <laughs> over Chris Sale. You need a bullpen catcher. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't want that. My guy Jamie Pogue is the bull, bullpen catcher for the Cardinals. I met the him at the Blues game. He's a Canadian guy. Is he Canadian? He's a Canadian guy. We're talking hockey. He's the bullpen catcher. He's the greatest dude ever, man. He, uh, I met him a couple of times when Duncan and I used to go down on the field. He's, he is a great guy. Unbelievable dude. He's a great guy. It's a fast line on 101 at ESPN. We have What's Trending coming up next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to find out what's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now, brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What is Trending. We're going to send it over to Anthony because he has What's Trending. <laughs> Marsh just pivoted. I said, you know, 
little behind the what scenes for happened? you. I said, Marsh, you know, every day I say, and here's Andrew Martin. Like, just open it for us. And you did a great job. Then you threw it right back at me. Why'd you, well, that's because you have some information know, you want to share with the group. He tossed it to you. Now you can toss it back to him. Huh? Anyways, uh, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reports that Rams head coach Sean McVay has permitted his coaching staff to search for other jobs without resistance. Rams beat writer Jordan Rodriguez chimes in to note that not all coaches on the Rams staff would be guaranteed to get their jobs back. McVay did not want to block his coaching staff from exploring opportunities while he made up his mind on his next step. It's possible that Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator, could go someplace else, whether as a head coach or, you know, maybe pursues other defensive coordinator opportunities. Offensive coordinator Liam Cohen already took an, an, an offer from the University of Kentucky to be their offensive coordinator. What? Where there's smoke, there's fire here, Jamie. This is a, this is unraveling he's, right he's before out. our eyes. Sean McVay's out. He is out. He's going. You know why he's he's going, out? He's going to TV. Yeah, but you know why he's out? Yeah, because it's a re- It's going to be a rebuild. That team sucks. It's going to be a. It's going to be a disaster. Uh-huh. So what's his contract situation? Didn't he just re up for a whole bunch of money? Yeah. With the Rams. So the the crazy thing is though is, even if he goes to the booth. He's still technically under contract as far as the contract, the year obligation. The team doesn't pay him said money, but they hang on to the years. So if McVeigh signed a seven or eight or 10 year deal or whatever the heck it was, he's obligated to, if nothing else, give the Rams the opportunity to sign him if he decides to come out of the booth. So therefore, that's where the draft compensation comes in if he decides to bounce to another team. It's Sean Payton. Am I close? It's Sean Payton. Am I close? You're spot on, Jamie. Thank you. McVeigh is still under contract with the Rams until 2026. Should he step away, the contract would remain and he'd still be considered a member of the franchise. It's a similar situation, again, to Sean Payton. Think Sean Payton goes to the Rams job? There's no. been a lot of speculation that he goes to the Rams job. No. That's a disaster. Why would anybody want that? I don't know. Like, you might as well put Jeff Fisher back in charge of that thing for a few years. I'm not kidding. You will suck tremendously, and then you'll get those picks back. <laughs> you got to pivot. If you're less need, you start trading these guys. You trade Jalen Ramsey. I think you've been trading the coaches. No, not the coaches. I mean, it's happened before. It has happened. Yeah. Uh, you trade Jalen Ramsey. Any anybody anybody that would get that would fetch you something. You start trading these guys. Can to now? do this though, Anthony? Let's just so let's dive into this for a second, okay? One, I understand that the population in St. Louis cannot stand Stan Kroenke. The guy's a scumbag. I get it. But the franchise, if we're just talking football, whether this was the 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 L.A. Rams or the Cleveland Browns, right now, mm-hmm. I'm just talking from a football standpoint. But that market in L.A. They went all in, pushed the chips all in, and it paid off for them. They won the Super Bowl. Now they got to dismantle that team. That's a market that comp- that is very competitive as it is, because of all the other things. You got the Lakers, you got the Dodgers, you got well the USC. Angels. You got, I mean, you USC. You've got the LA Kings. You got the Anaheim Ducks, who are not very good right now. But there's a lot of very various places you can spend your money at, and the fans aren't even showing up when the team is good. What is this going to look like for well, the NFL? Hopefully a disaster. Well, I, I I hope it's a disaster too, but I mean, it's still not going to change the fact that Kroenke will still make money. Yes. That was going to happen anyways. I know. I hate this crap. I want him to have he was to gonna make money. I want him to have to like sell off everything. Mm-hmm. And that ugly blazer that he wears that probably doesn't get it dry cleaned. They probably have to vacuum it. Are you talking about the fresh. thing on the top of the header? Well, that too. Oh, like you got that much blazer. money. 
How do you not have a better wig? Seriously. He must think that he looks, looks like good. he's wearing a straw hat. <laughs> like I said, three birds crawl out of it one time. It's like Mark Davis. That's he's not still, a wig. He's still going at all. That's he's not a wig. He's, but he's still the going hair. with that haircut. Yeah, but I feel like he's trolling the world. Stan Kroenke thinks he's fooling people with that thing. Just like he thinks he's fooling people with what he did here in St. Louis. Yeah. You're not fooling anybody. Well, that thing's that thing's a house of cards right now. You're right. They won. They won a Super Bowl. They're going to be bad for the foreseeable future. Good. Speaking of Stan Kroenke in that uh, stadium that he built last night, it was raining in California in Los Angeles, and uh, Mike Florio, that's your guy, Anthony. You oh. love that guy. He posted on <laughs> Pro Football Talk that it rained in Los Angeles Monday night, contrary to the meteorology skills of noted composer Albert Hammond. And even though Stan Kroenke's a multi-billion dollar venue has a roof, it is not a dome. There are gaps and the rain blowed sideways. People got wet. People got injured last night. Oh, no. People got wet. People got hurt by the rain? They were slipping and sliding all over the concourse. population. There's no no walls in this place. No, you're right. All the rain was blowing in and and falling from the roof. It's got that cool design. I'll give you that. Like, from an architectural standpoint, it's a cool-looking stadium. But it's got that, like, that, that... shield or protector over it but it's open Mm -hmm. so what's funny is uh, very different but similar style a little bit is when i played hockey in switzerland we had a rink the roof and everything but at the end of the rink in the end zones was wide open open air you could see the swiss alps it was beautiful it was a great day you get for practice it's beautiful beautiful. until you're playing at eight o'clock at night and it's minus 200 degrees (laughs) and the snow (laughs) is whistling in through there (laughs) This is not fun anymore. I'd always target the top scorer at that time, the other team, and just go remove his soul. Yeah. Because he didn't want to get hit. And I'd just be like, you know what? I don't care how much it hurts me. I'm going to rip your soul out and yeah, crush it right it's now. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the SoFi Stadium, not equipped for, for that kind of uh, weather. Serious question, Hopefully though. Hopefully there's a lot of lawsuits. <laughs> hey, it might be. Serious, I'm sure they'll settle. Serious question <laughs> for you guys. Oh, nice, that Marsh. Was really well good. played. Marsh, he put a check mark on the well board. That played. was good. Do we know if it was rain or the tears of TCU's fan base? Do we know? What? I think it was a mixture of both. And some uh, poor lady had to mop the uh, the concourse while the rain and tears were yeah. flowing sideways. How big do you think a horny toad's tears are? Horny frog. Horny uh, toad. <laughs> yeah, uh, the same. Given the score last night, I, I think I think we're looking at some pretty big tears. Huh. All right. That was ugly. Is this Tyler O'Neill's last chance as a Cardinal? Jamie's all in on T.O. Loves him. Mostly because he's Canadian, but also because, you know, he had that one year. Pretty good year. It was. One time. We're getting a Tyler O'Neill. Next, I want to win ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We feel like he's having a good offseason, a productive offseason. Of course, you know, it's going to come down to production. But when you think about Tyler O'Neill, when you think about Dylan Carlson, you think about Lars Newbar, okay, 
you know, got to go out and play, got to go out and perform. I think that's a pretty simple message to everybody. John Mozeliak, I appreciate of course you got that. Uh, oh, Canada. Why wouldn't you? For Jamie Rivers. And Tyler. And Tyler O'Neill. Yeah. Yeah. It is 302. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. So I was listening to the opening drive a couple of days ago. Uh, might have been yesterday. It was yesterday. It was yesterday. Uh, Randy Carricker and DeMarco. And uh, I almost said DeMarco Fargis. That's embarrassing. Sorry, Carrie. Love you, Carrie. Carrie Davis. I don't think that's embarrassing. Two really funny, awesome dudes. And it was like Randy, DeMarco, Dunk. And you just almost said that previous fast lane yeah you should be rammer too it's way back in the day jamie mm-hmm. it's before your time yeah mm-hmm. i'm aware anthony so i was listening to carrie davis and randy Carricker, and they got a mic drop asking them and it's a good question asking them why would you go get brian reynolds from the pirates when he doesn't when he doesn't do anything more than what like tyler o'neill did in the one season. Like Brian Reynolds isn't as you know, it is is on par with Tyler O'Neill if Tyler O'Neill does what he did in in his excellent season two years ago. Okay. I have a question. That, that was this, that was the mic drop that was left. I'll wait. Go ahead, no ask him. Don't you need to add anyways to your outfit? Like if if Cardinals fans or Cardinals whatever like you're talking about going for it and, like, really putting together a team that can do some damage, you need Tyler O'Neill to be as close to that version as possible, and you also need a guy like Brian Reynolds. You I, have to. To, par- to paraphrase what the, what, the, what the mic drop was, it was it was like, well, why, not, why don't you, instead of giving up assets, just see what you have in Tyler O'Neill, Lars Newbar, and Dylan That's what we've been doing Carlson. for three years now. I agree. Here's the thing with Tyler O'Neill. I think so. I think I think people that kind of think that way are intrigued by the the idea of Tyler O'Neill. The poison, Anthony. Have I ever told you my poison? No, go for it. Okay. So when you see a player, it's alcohol, isn't it? Well, no, it depends. You pick your poison. Apparently, um, when you have a player in any sport, especially a younger player, and they show you a version of what they can be, you're hooked. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Did you see how? But then they don't show it to you for long stretches of time. And then you start to give up, and then they show it to you again. You're like, oh, my God, I'm back. I love this player. It's the there greatest it is. player ever. So for me, it, I call it the poison because you keep going back for a bite of the apple every time you think it's back to being awesome. And unfortunately, some players never get that consistency of being what they achieve from time to time. So right. for me, that's the poison because you hang on to it forever and you think, well, if he just does this, if he just does that, and in the meantime, your franchise can't go on and do anything great because you're still waiting for the poison. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what that's what this has become for some. Others are like, they recognize it for what it is. It was it was one season. It was one really good season. And last year when he when he was healthy toward the end, he was he was slightly above average, but I think people are 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 intrigued with the idea of Tyler O'Neill. And to that mic drop, yes, you have to give up assets to get Brian Reynolds, but Tyler O'Neill WRC plus and use your own metric, whatever you want to use, use it. But for me, it's it's when you're talking about the all encompassing 
offensive statistic. A lot of people go with OPS, great great stat, fine. I like WRC+. plus. How good are you at creating offense for your team? 100 is baseline. That's mm-hmm. average. It's an average player. Tyler O'Neill in 2021, his best season was 144. So he was 44 percentage points better than the average. Excellent. What was he last year? 101. So he's still above. He slightly, slightly, slightly above, barely yeah. above, but still above. In in, in ninety six games. So if Tyler O'Neill, um, and I ask you this question, um, because we get some great texts and great messages from people along the way, some very knowledgeable baseball people, mind you, at that. Well, it's St. Louis, Jamie, yep. best baseball city in America. Um, said that text basically says if O'Neill would have been healthy and continued with his air quotes bad year. Mm-hmm. He's still an above-average player, and his numbers over 550 at-bats would probably be a 2020 guy with over 80 RBIs. What did you say about your aunt yesterday? If she had balls, she'd be my uncle. That's right. That's right. Okay. Couldn't remember that, that yeah. quote. And then it would be uh, different at Christmas and Thanksgiving because yeah. I wouldn't know if it's aunt or uncle. Right. Again, it's the idea of Tyler O'Neill. Could Tyler O'Neill do what he did in 2021 and, and have a our WRC plus of 144 again? Yeah, sign me up. If that's that player, we know what we're getting. Great. Fantastic. Brian Reynolds, by the way, in 134 games in 2019, had a WRC plus of 130. He took a step back in 2020, which was the pandemic year. He had a 71. Not a great year. The last two seasons... Brian Reynolds, 141 WRC+. plus Last year, 125 WRC+. plus. Let me read a, a, a better statistic when it comes to Brian Reynolds as we're talking about the Tyler O'Neill situation. Tyler O'Neill, 61 games, 60 games, 50 games, 138, 96. I don't like your attitude right now. Brian Reynolds, 134, 55 in the pandemic year, 159, 145 games played. It's a lot more, Anthony. It's a lot more. I look. I love the idea of Tyler O'Neill doing what he did. Sure, great. Sign me up. I didn't like the way he did that. What? Don't, don't just try to appease me with sure, great. Sign me up. Like, oh yeah, that's gonna happen. It's not going. Don't to Don't dismiss me like that, Jamie. Ever. First of all, your feelings are valid. Okay. Oh, oh, here we go. Now it's even getting worse. Your feel your feelings are valid. I just took my glasses off, Anthony. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts with me. Uh huh. Your thoughts are important to me. Uh huh. Okay. I don't know why you're upset about the fact that I said sign me up for both no, Brian Reynolds and Tyler O'Neill. Andrew, you know it's the way he said it. So it's not Very what dismissive. I said. It was it was the tone. It was the tone yeah, I used. It's that and, like whatever. That, there's that Monday tone on a Tuesday. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well said. Hmm. Or that Anthony tone on any day that ends in Y. <laughs> you know what, guys? Marshy, and what this applies to you too, Jamie. Oh God, here we go. I'm sorry. That you feel that way. Oh! Apology, Brian Reynolds is a is a better player. Tyler O'Neill in 2021. If he repeats that, fantastic. Is he going to repeat that? If he repeats that, then sign me up for Tyler O'Neill. We got a text from the 314. I, I like what this texter is saying. I think that Paul DeYoung bottoming out has soured people on Tyler O'Neill. Tyler has a higher ceiling that of DeYoung ever had, or higher floor. Anthony? Oh question God. mark. <laughs> I think he's got higher. Anthony started. I think he's got a higher floor. I think Tyler O'Neill's got a higher floor than Okay, so let's just have a little honesty here for a second. Sure. Okay. It's about time. Yeah, no kidding, right? (laughs) I'm here to help. Tyler O'Neill, when healthy and when right, is an MVP caliber player. And that's if, if, if. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's just say that Tyler O'Neill consistently is an above average outfielder with moments of greatness to offer you throughout a season. 
Sign me up for that. I'm okay with it. With the defense that he plays, with the speed that he brings to your roster, with you know the, the pop that he has, sign me up. But I still feel like the Cardinals need to add. Like, I don't think that you can stand pat and just hope that Tyler O'Neill has a, another MVP season. I think you take Tyler O'Neill for what what it's worth, and I go, okay, he's an above-average player. Great. We need more. Is it Dylan Carlson? Does he have a bounce back year? If so, great, fine. Then a lot of things are, are are different at that point. But if Dylan Carlson can't give you the, you know, take him out of my cold dead hands type season, then you got to look elsewhere. And I think Brian Reynolds is a perfect solution. And then so what? What if what happens if you have an embarrassing riches of outfielders in? Great, it's a good problem to have because then you can deal one at the deadline for a top end starter if you need to. Go blank yourself, San Diego. Pretty much. Although yeah. they got a pretty good team. No, they do. Yeah, they're probably going to be. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what's in, Anthony. What's that? The, the Padres. The Padres are in? Mm, that's what's in. That's, that's <laughs> What's that from? That, that dumb video. With those <laughs> yeah, guys don't you remember singing. that? Oh, that's right. The, the, Padres, the Padres guys. guys. Who absolutely ruined their team with that song. That's right. That's mm-hmm. why they lost 100%. All right. It's, it's time for the Sports Six back. 314 399 9646. Again, 314 399 9646. Our Sports Six back is next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Answer the question. Answer the question. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Schlafly Beer, the original St. Louis craft brewery. Time for the Sports 6 back here in the fast lane on 101 at ESPN. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. So if you've got a question for us, still an opportunity to have yours read like this from Andrew Marsh. Question number one. All right, guys, we were just talking about Tyler O'Neill, the outfield for the Cardinals. From the 618, whose job does Jordan Walker threaten the most out of Newt Bar, O'Neill, or Carlson? Um, yes. I would say yes. Yes. Jamie <laughs> <laughs> had the exact had the exact thought. I was trying to think initially like where he's been playing recently and that I guess it's been right field predominantly. I could be wrong. Um because in the Arizona Fall League maybe he played something different, whatever. Uh, but based on what I'm told from certain people in the know and our own our very own BT who was talking to a lot of people within the organization, obviously, they said that he could be a gold glove defender and that he has the athleticism to be a center fielder. So if that's the case, then the world is his oyster. He mm-hmm. can play anywhere in the outfield. If, if you're being told you can play center field or you, if you're showing people that you, you can play left, you can play right. So I think that uh, if Jordan Walker hits, he plays. And whoever isn't hitting won't play. That's the way I look at it. Exactly. Tyler Neal can play center. Lars Newbar can play yeah. center. Your best center fielder is still Dylan Carlson. You think? Yeah. I, do. I don't know about that. Well, anymore. T- I mean, Tyler O'Neill, t- there might be an argument that Tyler O'Neill is a better, a, a Tyler better was drafted center fielder. As a center fielder. Yeah. Both of them can play center field, though, right? Mm-hmm. Newbar can play center field. I wonder if O'Neill's speed plays more now based on the no shift for ground balls that are going to squeak their way through if you need a guy who covers area a lot quicker. Right. 
That's know. true. That's a, that's a fair question. Yeah. Either way, I not agree. Not that Carlson's slow because he's not. Yeah. But O'Neill's like in the top five percentile of the entire league as far as speed's concerned. But I agree with you. Whoever hits is going to play. Yeah. So who does he threat threaten? Yes, is the answer. Yeah, all of them, including Yepes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who will be in this mix too? Question number two. From the 314, since O'Reilly and Tarasenko have been on the injured list, are the Blues better on paper with or without them? Simply based on stats, not wins or losses. No, they're not better. If we're, if we're basing it on paper alone, this team is substantially worse without them. I know O'Reilly's not having a uh, all-star season, but apparently Tarasenko is because he got picked for the all-star game. Um, as the first player, which is still a bit of a head-scratcher. But nonetheless, um, yeah, no, this team is not better without them. N- not at all. Now, when they come back and they're healthy and maybe, you know, energetic and rejuvenated, that could be a big you know, big boost to this team. Heck, it's going to be like acquiring two guys for nothing. Oh, boy. It's going to wow. be fantastic. Wow. I think, I think Anthony came up with that. Nope. Anthony's I think very he said guy. that. Yeah. In fact, it goes back to the days on the turn mm. um, when I first joined Anthony. And one of the very first days I was on the show, Anthony brought that up because I'd never really looked at it that mm-hmm. way before. And we we're talking about the Blues and getting some guys back during that epic playoff run in 2019. And Anthony basically said, hey, that's like making a trade, but yeah. you don't have to give up anything. You get a guy back. And I've never looked at it the same since that moment so anthony thank you that's a core memory for you yeah it's part of my foundation yeah. in radio now wow look at anthony he's lost for words right now he he's just... beaming look how proud he is <laughs> he's just elated. you both know i hate that term what that's... it's not like making a trade that's a lie get out of here that's a lie question number three anthony this one's from the 636. How does Anthony think Shad Khan felt about the Jags season? <laughs> Tell us, Shad. Well, I think we had a, a great season. I think we had a real good season. Made playoffs. Won the division. I think it was great. <laughs> Southern accent. Think gets the other time. So He's from some... Southern Illinois, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't understand right now, what the heck is going on? Uh, Anthony does Jerry Jones, and uh, he does Hank Hill. It's all Hank Hill. It's all Hank Hill. Every impression. One day we dropped on him something about Shad Khan, and he fired back with, you know, we're like, hey, Anthony, what do you think Shad Khan feels about that? And he dropped Hank Hill (laughs) as Shad Khan. It's just my default. Um and it's never been right. the same ever since. I saw Shad Khan celebrating the other day, <laughs> and all I could think about was, man, I'm happy I'm in the playoffs. <laughs> I sell propane and propane accessories. <laughs> Doug Peterson's done a great job. What in the hell? <laughs> what in the hell? Damn it, Bobby. Trevor, what kind of shampoo are you using? That hair looks fantastic. <laughs> using propane? Propane accessories? Damn it, Bobby. Uh, by the way, <laughs> it makes no sense. We got, we got a text from the 573. Wasn't that John Mosaloc who came up with that? It's uh, like acquiring a player for nothing. No, Anthony did. It wasn't me. Started in 2019. At least it was I'm Mo. aware of. 
Actually, I don't know if it was Mo. We hear it. We hear it a lot. It's like making a trade. It's basically any team saying that is like, better. hey, look over here. Mm-hmm. We're not going to make a trade. Deal with that. It's better. Just put the blanket in front of fans. Really cold. Question number four. Not fooling anybody. This one will be fun. From the 618, what are Mo's daily duties? What do you think he does every day? Jamie? <laughs> so I picture my John Mosaic. <laughs> there it is. Um, he get you know, he's he wakes up, he sets an alarm every day, probably about 5:30 a.m. But he wakes up before the alarm. <laughs> he does. He, he does s- it to sleep in. No, he does it on oh, purpose. Opposite. So that he grabs the phone, shuts the alarm off, says, I'm better than you, alarm. You think you're going to wake me up? No, I'm shutting you down. Mm-hmm. And that's because he, he wakes up and he just pisses excellence immediately. Yeah. So he believes. And so then I picture Mo, um, no shirt on, of course, uh, maybe a pair of boxers, a couple, pair of slides, down to the kitchen, fresh fruit, cuts up fresh fruit into the blender takes down a smoothie no problem no coffee yet any protein in there oh yeah and creatine too Mm -hmm. a little protein a little creatine he's got to get his his pump on maybe some spinach goes out for a run sunshine's not even up yet mo's up there grinding he's going for his run i picture him in a uh, adidas sweatsuit not nike no adidas sweatsuit zip up Mm. all the way He's got a little bit of a uh, Under Armour shirt underneath. Wants to get a good sweat. On. No Cardinal apparel. Uh, no, no, He's no. Very that, discreet. It'd be, it'd be very. Uh, it'd be way too much. People mm. would recognize him. He had the bow tie. Uh, no, no bow tie. Not yet. yet. That's. Okay. I don't. He, he's actually eliminated that from most of his wardrobe. He's mm. tired of the bow tie. Comes back from said run. Um, maybe throws the weights around a little bit. Takes a shower. Kettlebells. Kettle kettlebells for yeah. sure. Absolutely. It's it's like. Uh, We'll call it a uh, like a prison yard workout. Yeah, like just like very like manly. Right. He's he's flipping over the big tires in the backyard. Absolutely, he's got yeah. a whole area just for the tires. Right in the backyard, and he takes a sledgehammer and he's hitting the tires mm. over and over and over. And he's like one that's got it's painted. The tire looks like the Cubs logo, the big C, and yeah. he just beats the hell out of that at least once a day. So then takes his shower mm-hmm. and it's like he flips the switch now he goes from caveman mo that barbaric warrior to executive mo so no bow tie yet on this one but he's got the maybe the coat sweater tied around the, mm-hmm. the nice ralph Lauren polo maybe a pair of shorts and the nice fancy shoes and off he goes to work was that right yeah mo you know you're there we did it one time and we worked out together i've never been the same trust me and then he goes on to get to the office and checks his emails and does his daily routine. Finishes the day with his uh, his Mo Fashioned, to which I'm still working on starting that business, although he didn't give me the okay for it. I feel like we're friends now after all this. And uh, he sits there with his Mo Fashioned, has a little cocktail, and uh, you know goes to bed uh, late. Doesn't like to go to bed early, goes to bed late so he can challenge himself again the next day to get up before the alarm. I mean, that's how I picture my mom. Jamie, I think you nailed it. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't change a thing. All right. If that's your version of Mo, oh, I, I think, I think it's pretty accurate, into. don't I you? Do 100%. Hmm. Anthony? Yeah. 
It's your version. Same. <laughs> same. Jamie and I have the same vision for Armo. Question number five. All right, from the 314, given the Cardinals' current status, which one move makes them better and makes the latest contender, uh, makes them a, uh, a late contender in the playoffs, an arm or a bat? Both. Arm. Otani. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, that's going to be hard to raise right there. You've got pocket aces now. Uh huh. There we go. An arm, though. Front of the rotation arm. Yeah, it has to be. But the pitching has been great over there. It's been the offense. I know. In order to get deep into the postseason, though, you're gonna need you're gonna need front end pitching. I'm not saying you don't need offense, but for me, it's you don't have you know you don't have a front of the rotation, dude. So arm. Question number six. From the 618, Anthony, what does the XFL have to do to have long-term success? Seems any spring league always ends up being a flash in the pan. Hashtag caca. Capture what, what St. Louis did that first time around. Caca. I don't know if you're going to be able to do it in every single market that you chose, but I thought the, the XFL, at least here, because we can only speak to St. Louis, what they did to connect to a fan base that was burned by Stan Kroenke in the NFL. They capitalized on the moment. And they connected to, to a fan base that, look, we, we love football here. I think sometimes we, we like, oh, we don't talk NFL here. Okay. What? But this is a great sports city. They do love football. They were able to connect to the fan base and make it their own. So everybody bought in. And had they had another home game that year, they're going to open up the top. We talked. We've talked about this before. The lower bowl. Yeah, they were set to do that. Yeah, they 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 wanted to gauge what the fan interest was, so it was only the lower bowl. And I was there that day, and that dome was loud, despite there not being a full house. So they're going to open up the top. But Jamie driving around looking for parking that that day and seeing the tailgating for an XFL game was all you need to know about whether or not the XFL is going to survive here. Now you still got to be good. You still got to give you still got to give decent product, which they were. Which they were. If the XFL can do can can duplicate that in other cities, have that connection, then I think you're going to be okay. Is it going to be wildly popular? Not necessarily. But look at look at the, look at the MLS markets. Look at minor league mark markets that don't that don't have major league teams. If you can create that atmosphere and have an actual connection to your city, I think that is that that makes it sustainable. If you're trying to compete with the NFL, good luck. Yeah. It ain't gonna happen. You can't do that. You have to embrace the fact that you're not competing with the NFL. Yes. I've said this for many years now anthony and you know i've said it and finally the xfl is kind of sort of partnered with the nfl i don't really know and how deep the connection is but ultimately for me it would be a dream come true for the xfl to become the minor league teams for the yep. nfl to where guys that are on your practice squad or whatever can go down and play games mm -hmm. even if it's off season like they don't run parallel you go down you get your second stringers or your third stringers that are part of your minor league team 
that you're building up. So then it'll become a development spot for some of these teams where you draft guys third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, whatever it is from college football, and you can develop a guy into an NFL starter one day. A lot of those guys are on the practice squad, don't get the game reps. They have a hard time developing and improving, and they're just stuck on the practice roster forever. So I don't know. Ultimately, I think that's the play. Share the sponsorship dollars from top to bottom. You have it in both cities. In TV revenue, now that gets shared back and forth, and now you can maybe afford to pay some of those guys a little more in the XFL. I think there's a model to be had there. That's former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalzer. It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. The College Football National Championship was an absolute disaster. There is a bigger question, though, at hand as as you look at Georgia, who will lose Stetson Bennett, two-time now defending champion. We'll talk about whether or not Georgia is kind of the premier team now, program, in college football. Or is it still Nick Saban and Alabama? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Georgia, obviously, you've seen in the past couple seasons now, really. They've taken hold of college football. They did an unbelievable job. Uh, this is a young football team. Uh, David Pollock, former <laughs> Georgia Bulldog, by the way, no, hyping up Georgia as, uh, you know, the team the team to beat in college football. Right in front of Nick Saban, of course. <laughs> did we – Did uh, I didn't see that. What did Nick Saban do? Do we know or do he we – He just stood there and like – or not stood there, but he sat there and like – you could see it on his face. He's like, you know, he, shut up. You know, he was seething. Of course he was. Sure. I can't believe there wasn't a retort. That would have been funny. Saban puts him in a headlock or something. Well, I doubt he would do that. You never know. No. Nick's a competitive true. guy. Yeah, but he's not stupid. Yeah, that's true. It's fast lane on 101 at ESPN. Not much to break down from last night's game. Oh, uh, gosh. As we mentioned earlier, Georgia uh, just scored again. They're up 90 to 7 now against TCU. It's like a Cardale Jones Madden game. It certainly is. He's just going to keep putting them on it. Georgia rules college football shows no signs of slowing down anytime soon. That's the headline at ESPN.com. As long as Nick Saban's at Alabama, Alabama's going to be one of the top teams in the nation. There's really no there's really no debate on that. They're going to continue to recruit well. But has Georgia surpassed Alabama as the top team, the top hmm. dog in college football, he's got back to you got back to back national titles. Well, you certainly have street cred right now, recent street cred when it comes to championships. But like, I just don't know. I, so what's next for Georgia? Because they got the back to back. They lost a ton of guys last year, and everybody was like, "Oh boy!" Mm-hmm. While well, they end up right back where they were last year, they're going to lose a bunch of guys again this year, including their starting quarterback which may or may not be a big deal. I don't know. You never know what these colleges have, like, ready and waiting for yeah. the, for their opportunity. But I don't know. I feel like Nick Saban is going to really get into, like, uber recruiting mode. Now, is he going to lose players to teams like Georgia? Or, like, how how much will this – how much will Alabama and Georgia affect each other? It's a good question. I think I, I think that we have seen it. We have seen how that 
the two impact each other because Kirby Smart, the first thing that he did when he got to Georgia was, okay, we're going to stop losing players to Alabama. We're going to stop losing players from Atlanta and from wherever, you know, the, 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 the big cities in Georgia. We're going to stop losing them to Bama. Lock down our borders. We're going to lock down our borders. Our guys are not going, you know, the guys from like Marietta, Georgia, we're going to stop them from going to teams like Clemson. We're gonna, that's that's all done. Mm-hmm. And Kirby Smart has had great recruiting classes after great recruiting classes after great recruiting classes. And all those star, and most of them, I shouldn't say all, a lot of those studs stay right there at Georgia. So I think we've already seen the impact there. My question to you guys, and Marsh, you can certainly play along on, on this as well. Marsh, I know you, you're a big fan of college football. Jamie, more recently because of the, the job. Can't get enough. Ish. But you, you follow college football. Of course I do, Anthony. Let me ask you guys this. When Trevor Lawrence, when, the, when Clemson lost Trevor Lawrence to the NFL, what did you guys think? For Clemson. They're done. Okay. Marsh? Yeah, I, I felt the same way. Like it was gonna be, it was gonna be difficult. I thought for sure. I was like, that's the end of an era. Yeah, I didn't think they'd be done. Done. I felt like they'd Good, still be relevant, but, but like I didn't trust their backup QB. And I didn't think they'd be relevant for a while. Their dynasty days, mm-hmm. and I, and I'm playing fast and loose with dynasty because they won two. I think I think three is a dynasty within like a five six year period. I think two is in college football. Two. Yeah. I think well. The, so Georgia's dynasty right now. I think they are, yeah. Especially going back to back. Bama's the only team that's done it in like this entire decade. They're the only decade dynasty today. and century. Clemson really close. Georgia's on the on the on the doorstep. Okay, so I asked you guys about Trevor Lawrence. Stetson Bennett is heading to the NFL. What do you think of Georgia? I think they're gonna be fine. Stetson Bennett's heading to the NFL. Yeah, he's gone. He's he's his last game well, was full time backup or the XFL. No, no. no. But what do you think about Georgia? Oh. Same same question. So you said Trevor Lawrence. Ah, yeah. They're gonna be. This is gonna be tough. You're same not, question, you, Anthony. You can't put Stetson Bennett in the same category as Trevor Lawrence. Exactly. No, you can't. Exactly. So, like, the question is kind of. I understand what you're doing. I totally understand the exercise here. Mm-hmm. But it's not even apples to oranges. It's like apples to zucchini right now. I don't know why I picked that. Um, but Trevor Lawrence is the number one. Stetson Bennett's not going to be – heck, he might be a fourth rounder. I think that's what he's getting Maybe. at, though. You, exactly. don't need, you don't need a Trevor Lawrence for that team to succeed. Just like Alabama, like look at their quarterbacks other than Tua and Jalen Hurts when he was there. A.J. McCarron, Greg McElroy, are you serious? Like – they weren't special in the NFL, but they were good at winning for Alabama. And maybe that's the exact same approach that George is taking because of Kirby Smart and his relationship with Nick Saban. He knows how to build that program to be just like Alabama, whereas Clemson, they were good, but they had a different sort of structure to the way they recruited and whatnot. Like, this is my point. Yeah. Georgia has won back-to-back national titles. They're going to lose their quarterback, and they're going to be just fine. Yeah, Why? but that's because I think they built their program around not having a great quarterback. Exactly. This yeah. is what this is what Saban did all those years at, at Alabama. You just rattled off a bunch of different quarterbacks. Yeah. This is my point. I think Georgia is is that team that's that's got the last that that's got the the lasting power. I don't think they're going anywhere. I think they are the number 1 team now. Alabama is right there. I mean, they're they're right underneath. 
Could Alabama win a national title next year? Of course. Absolutely. Nobody's going nobody's gonna to fight against so that. So who else is in that pool then? That, I think, is the better question. Because I look at, specifically this year, you'd, you'd like to think Ohio State. You'd like to think Michigan. But who else? USC. Okay, USC. Because they're going to have Caleb Williams back there. Tennessee, They've got the head coach. Did they get a little bit? No, of a I wouldn't. Did I, they moved the needle at all for you this I, year. They for a did. While, a, they, did. A, they did a little bit, but that's a. Fl- I think they're a flash in the pan. Okay, maybe a good program in the SEC, but that's they're they're a flash in the pan. Let, let me interject real quick uh, from the three one four guys. It's program. Okay, program, program. Mm-hmm. I, that's that's a good that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Program, Georgia. I, it's a program. USC, I think, will be really good again next year. Because Caleb Williams is going to be there again. That offense is unbelievable. And if they fix some of their defensive issues, USC can challenge. But not for the long haul. Texas, you'd, you'd hope, because they got Arch Manning going in, mm. you'd, you'd hope maybe Texas now becomes one of those those top dogs. But Georgia is losing their national, losing their quarterback that, that won back-to-back titles. And nobody's going to blink because of the, the talent that they have at, at – their skill positions. They've got another. They've got like two or three linebackers that are coming in. They're all ranked, you know, top dog, top guys, uh, off the ball linebackers. The rec- this guy can recruit. Kirby Smart can recruit. They ain't going anywhere. The more I think about it, I don't think there is another team that's up there with those two. No, it's it's Georgia, it's Bama, Long Pause, USC, yeah. Texas. I think Ohio State, Michigan gets smoked in that game too. I do too. Ohio State put up the the best fight, which was the most Mm -hmm. surprising thing. None of us had, yeah. And fortunately, you know, we had the we played the the guy with the rant earlier. College Mm -hmm. football, you owe us. The college football playoff uh, committee, you owe us an apology for last night. They do. They put Ohio State in. That could have easily been USC. I and I don't think so. U.S. I think yeah. USC gets cr- gets crushed too because of that defense. Where's the state of college football if TCU wins that game last night? You've you've got parity, you've got parity, and you're okay Do moving you forward. You don't obviously, you don't now, but no, it's still top heavy. It's interesting. It's interesting when you look at the kind of the landscape. It's very top heavy. This is why when the playoffs expand, I hope the the from an entertaining standpoint, the playoffs. The playoffs are mostly resemble what we saw two weeks ago with the semifinals games. You want entertaining. The The title game was a disaster. The Super Bowl for about 10 years was awful. You knew Championship Sunday was the best it was going to be because the Super Bowl was going to be a blowout. Like it just it, That's how it was. Now, recently, we've had really mm-hmm. tight, close Super Bowls. We had an overtime game. In an overtime game. Thanks for bringing that up, Marsh. You jerk. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. I think you know what overtime game that was. Does Jack Flaherty have to be... Oh, no. We're talking about Flaherty, Marsh? Really? (laughs) Really? Does Jack Flaherty have to be one of the one to lead this staff? Okay. Mm -hmm. Marsh is trolling the text line. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fastlane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
our starters have been, you know, really encouraging. But I could say that throughout our entire roster. The decisions that, that we've made or didn't make are predicated on feedback we get. And so, you know, I'm pretty excited about what we're hearing. I'm certainly excited about this club. And, you know, I, I always feel like, you know, winning the offseason is not necessarily the, the, the best strategy in the world. Uh, is Mosaic trying to lose? It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. John Mosaloc, and then of course Janet asking harsh. asking a simple question: Is Mo trying to lose? I don't think he's trying to Let's lose. Let's set the record straight here, okay? At least I'm going to set my own thoughts straight here. John Mosaloc honestly wants nothing more than to win the World Series. He really does. That the bottom line, he cannot control certain players going cold come playoff time. He can't control certain pitchers getting injured. I know he can control acquiring certain players when it comes to offering contracts. Can't control the players signing those contracts or those offers. Uh, He can control things by making trades at the deadline. He can't control other teams accepting those trades. So as much as we want to bash at times on certain things, John Mosellock wants to win. You don't think he'd like to have World Series tra- World Series champ attached to his name once again mm-hmm. as president of baseball operations? Of course he would. Yeah. So just set that straight. He's never. Go- it, it, there were, he's there an was- easy guy. He's a, he's an easy lightning rod for a lot of things, but the guy wants to win. Well, th- there's no way that ownership was going to sign off on him bringing you know spending a whole bunch of money like the Phillies and the Mets have. That's an ownership thing. We've talked about this a lot, but I feel like it bears repeating because Mo just he's the catch-all for for all things. Now, here is a Mo thing. This is something that is open for criticism if things if things fall apart again for the Cardinals or they don't they don't make a, a they don't get out of the first round. Let's say same thing happens. They win the NL Central, they get to the postseason, wild card round, they get bo- they get boom, one and done again. Here is a Mo criticism. You were banking a lot of, on a lot of ifs again, and one of the ifs is Jack Flaherty. I, I just had a conversation earlier with a guy we work with, Jamie, and there, he was saying he was echoing what Janet echoed yesterday about Jose Quintana. Would have loved to see seen Jose Quintana back. Jose Quintana was great for you last year after after you acquired him. What do you do then? With the five guys that are under contract, yeah, six you send, guys. Yeah, exactly. Do you send one of them to the bullpen? We well, have you have to send one of them already to the bullpen. But Stephen Matz isn't going to the pen. Wayno's not going to the pen. Michaelis isn't going to the pen. Not one. Of Jordan Montgomery's not going to the pen. Mm-mm. Flaherty, you. I guess you could have said, yeah, put him in the pen. But Flaherty, despite the fact. That you haven't seen it now in 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 several years, not just one year, but several years. He is the only guy with the upside of a top 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 line starter. Yeah, am I banking on it? No. But he's the only guy. So why would you put him in the in the pen yeah. to bring back Jose Quintana? If it were Rodon, now now we've got a conversation. If it were certainly Justin Verland or something like that, now we can have the conversation. Jose Quintana was great for you last year. He's kind of a repeat of what you have, though. Outside of Flaherty. But yeah. the question, the question, does Jack have to be the one to lead this staff? No, I think I think it's a collection. Don't think he has to be the one to lead it. Um, 
sure would be nice if he if he did. You know, sure would be nice to have Jack Flaherty go out there and have the ability to give you quality starts and to be, you know, striking guys out. Sure would be nice. I'm not banking on it, that's no. for sure. You're looking at making another deal at the deadline. I think and even Mo, if he is out there doing that, you're looking to make a deal anyways. Great point. Especially if you're trying to win a World Series. Yep. You, you know, you can't just rely on one guy. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. Even if your offense is – let's just say the offense blows everybody's expectations out of the water. Well, statistically, last year they were yeah. one of the best. Right. I mean – but they, in the they, clutch time, they Anthony, had, they I mean, did not pull through. They had some, they had some big, they had some big wins that kind of skewed things a little bit. Okay, but let's just say statistically, whatever metric, runs per game, OPS, WRC plus, home runs, whatever. Let's just say the offense at the trade deadline is is the best is the best in the league. That doesn't mean that you're going to be any better in the postseason. No, this is what this is why I think well, you need that front starter. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. We've seen that from other from other teams too. Quite frankly, the Yankees a year ago, offensively outside of Aaron Judge, that that wasn't the Yankees' offense that we have seen in previous years. And what has cost them? It's been pitching. So I understand the notion of, hey, the pitching has not been the problem in the postseason the last couple of years. It, you're right, he hasn't. But once you get beyond the wild card round, and hopefully they do. It could become a, an issue. So hopefully, I mean, we say this all the time. Hopefully the the collection of pitchers is good. But I don't think anybody's going to be sitting here shocked if you get bounced again because you don't have a couple of front line, front line guys. And those guys aren't walking through the door. No, they're not. All right, we've got the Gauntlet 2.0 next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Can you survive the gauntlet? Four oh three. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. With Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter, Andrew Marsh here as well, and it's time for the Gauntlet 2.0. We unveiled the new format yesterday. I thought it went well. People seem to enjoy it, and now we have a new contestant. It is Don. What's up, Don? How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Did Bring you in there? We didn't know if we had you there. Yeah, it was a long pause there. Don, I did, had you on mute, my bad. Okay, that's all right. How did, dare you? Did you have an opportunity to listen yesterday? I did. Okay, so you're aware of the new format. You get to choose the opponent, but you do not get to choose the category. Right, yeah. So, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to go with Jamie because he never gets to play but I'm terrified of it landing on hockey, but that's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> okay. I like it, though. I like Because you're right. Jamie Jamie didn't have a lot of opportunities to play in the previous gauntlet because, well, he was uh, he was abs- an absolute bully when it came to It made hockey. me sad, Anthony. But we're about to spin the wheel. It could still be hockey. So I like the roll of the dice here, Don. So, Marsh, spin the wheel. We got to tell – Don's got to tell us to. Okay, go ahead. So, Don. You won. Three, spin that one, wheel. One, two, three, spin the wheel. Don't land on hockey. <laughs> the wheel doesn't. The wheel Ooh. doesn't care. That's a good spin. 
got a little oomph in it. All right, Marsh is... Oh Jamie can see the wheel, but I I can't. Marsh can, too. Oh. Barely football! Oh. oh, wow. Don, how do you feel about taking Jamie on in football? A lot better than hockey, but football is not my strong point either, so we'll see. Oh, boy, this, this could be a battle for the ages, Don. Okay. I All like right, it. buddy. Good luck, my man. This could be the lowest scoring win ever. Defense but, first, right? Like one nothing, yep. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Good All luck, right. Don. So Jamie, Jamie's going to make his way into the cone of silence. So this is back-to-back days where we're, we weren't in our normal category. I had baseball yesterday. Jamie has football today. But I like the new format. Don, you ready? <laughs> All right, same rules apply. If you need the options, those questions are worth one point. If you don't need the options, they're worth two. Question number one, Andy Reid has never had a losing season in Kansas City. How many seasons has he coached in KC? Hmm. 20... I think he came in in 2013 or 2015. So I'm going to say five, six, seven. This could be his eighth season. Well, I'll go with eight. Final answer? Final answer. Question number two. The first college football playoff championship game was played in January of 2015 when Ohio State beat which university? Oregon University. Final answer? Final answer. Question number three. Last season in the NFL, which team entered the playoffs as the number one overall seed in the NFC? So who had the number one seed in the NFC last year? Last year, NFC. Hmm. What are the options? Packers, Bucks, or Rams? I think it was the Rams. I know they won. Let's go with the Packers. I think it was the Packers. Packers, final answer? Final answer. Question number four. Naheem Hines had two kickoff return touchdowns against the Patriots this past Sunday. Who was the last player to do that back in 2010? Oh, I just saw that on the TV, too. Uh, what are the options? Your options are Leon Washington, Ted Ginn Jr., or Devin Hester? Got, got to be Devin Hester, I would assume, so I'll say Devin Hester. Final answer? Final answer. All right, Don. We'll bring back Jamie Rivers right now from the Cone of Silence. How you feeling? Not bad. Uh, I'm pretty positive on a couple of them. A couple of them are iffy, but it's football and Jamie's a hockey guy, so let's just hope he has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> you never know. What would be what would be your number one selection? Like, which, what would be your number one sport? Uh, baseball, for sure. Yesterday, if I was on the show, I would have had uh, three out of the four without options. So. Oh, nice. Okay, so you would have beat me yesterday. Jamie four is back ahead. from the Kona of Silence, though. And Jamie Mike Ryder had me rocking contest. out there. That sound garden going. The rusty cage. Oh, nice. I'm all fired up now, Don. You better watch out. <laughs> all right. Jamie Rivers, you ready? 
Of course. Not. Wheel landed on football today. Oh, football. Jamie, yeah. Andy Reid has never had a losing season in Kansas City. How many seasons has he coached in KC? More than one. Is that your answer? No. Okay. Uh, oh, my God. Narrow it down. Give me the options. Eight, nine, or ten. Okay. I'm going to say it's ten. Final answer? Yeah. Question number two, Jamie. The first college football playoff championship game. Oh was played in January of 2015 when Ohio State beat which university? Options. Alabama, Oregon, or Notre Dame? And what year was that? 2015. Ohio State in 2015 beat Notre Dame. Final answer? Yeah. Question number three. Last season in the NFL. Which team entered the playoffs as the number one seed in the NFC? Oh, wow. The number one seed in the NFC. I know the Buccaneers had a good record. Green Bay. Son of a batch of biscuits. Um, the Bucks were like 11 and 5, I think. Play their first game on the road, though. Who the heck did they lose to? The Rams, didn't they? Hmm. I'll go with the Buccaneers. Final answer? Hmm. Yes. Last question. Naheem Hines had two kickoff return touchdowns against the Patriots this past Sunday. Who was the last player to do that back in 2010? Against the Patriots or overall? Overall. Options, please. Your options are Leon Washington, Ted Ginn Jr., or Devin Hester. When in doubt, go with Devin Hester. Final answer? Yep. All right, let's go over these. Don chose Jamie today. The wheel chose football for I, the category. I feel uneasy. Let's, <laughs> let's see how you did. We'll Not start, great. We'll start off with that question. Naheem Hines had two kickoff return touchdowns against the Patriots this past Sunday. Who was the last player to do that? And that was in 2010. Don, you took the options. You went with Devin Hester. Jamie, you also went with Devin Hester. Said, hey, when in doubt, go with Hester. Mm-hmm. Correct answer is, ah, it's Leon Washington. Leon Washington. <laughs> Devin Hester did do that, but it was in 2006. Ted Ginn Jr. did, did it as well, but it was in 2009. It was Leon Washington who accomplished that feat in 2010. So oh. we got a zero zero tie between Don and Jamie. Andy uh, Reid has never had a losing season in Kansas City. How many seasons has he coached in KC? Don, you chose eight without the options. What? Jamie, you went with 10, but you took the options. Mm-hmm. As we know, after Jamie took the options, eight was an option. Correct answer is... It's 10! But it was 10. Jamie's right. We have a 1-0 lead for Jamie. I a little bit on the Super Bowl stuff with the Eagles and all that stuff. Nice job, Jamie. Ah, baby. Jamie's got a 1-0 lead. 
The first college football playoff championship game was played in January 2015 when Ohio State beat which university? Jamie, you went with Notre Dame. Don, you went with Oregon. Oregon, 100%. Quack, 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 Mr. Duxworth. Correct answer is... Oregon. Yep, you're right. It's Oregon. Don, you were very confident. That's why you didn't go with the options. What? You now have a 2-1 lead over Jamie because it was Oregon. That's not nice, Don. So Come. crazy story, if I can tell you about that question. I'm a huge Oregon Ducks fan. My best friend is an Ohio State fan. He actually lost his life the, the week before that game oh, took place. And that was the first time that those two schools ever met together. And it was the same. It was like the week after it happened. So oh, wow. Yes, I knew it was crazy that question came up. Wow. Well, so I'm sorry for your yeah, loss. Sorry for your loss. Yeah. But the question was meant to either, so that's why I'm gonna beat Jamie. Don't get this away. Well, let's see if you <laughs> let's see if that was the deciding question. This is the final question. Don up two one on Jamie. Last season in the NFL, which team entered the playoffs as the number one seed in the NFC? Don, you went with the options, you went with the Packers. Jamie, you went with the Bucks without the options. Both were options, Packers and Bucks. The other option was the Rams. I'll tell you right now, it was not the Rams. They beat the Bucks. They were on the road, so therefore they couldn't be the number one seed. If it's the Packers, Don wins three to one today. If it's the Bucks, Jamie wins three to two. Don, a hundred different hands on my body. You have chosen wisely it was the packers who had the number one seed don you win three to one over jamie you will be back tomorrow to take on either marsh or myself and the wheel will choose uh, our fate tomorrow as well congratulations thank you i appreciate it can i do a shout out for my daughters real quick of course absolutely yeah. we listen every day when i pick them up from school they know the the theme song and they're excited for it so I'm, they'll be in the car tomorrow zoe and sawyer so they'll uh hopefully we get a good category so, so we and Sawyer. What? What? Uh, have you been on the gauntlet before? I have. I'm uh, Jamie's Christmas light guy. I was on last. Year. <laughs> there you go. Okay, gotcha. All right. Well, congratulations, Don. You you did beat Jamie. Uh, so we'll talk to you again yeah, tomorrow. Don, you're fired. <laughs> Don, you won today, but you lost business for for I'm, Christmas no, next I'm year. Don, I'm too old to be getting up on that roof. Now I know why Jamie pays people. So I'm there you go. Guy. There you go. All right, Don. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I, when he mentioned the, the kids and picking them up, not that you know, there's we've had other gauntlet contestants on it. They've had the kids when they pick them up, and they had a guy at the gym not too long ago come up and and just introduce himself and say he listens to the show and he's like, I pick up my kids at school and uh, the gauntlet comes on and they're always excited and they're they're like, Can you survive the gauntlet? It's awesome. Yeah. The kids love it. So. Socks are getting a new theme song soon. <laughs> <laughs> got to switch it up a little well, bit. By the way, we got a text help. from the 618. I think it would be more fun if you didn't tell the Fastlane member what sport it was until after they're out of the cone of silence or just oh. go straight into the questions for them. LOL would be it would add to the suspense. Okay, so I'm okay like with that. not knowing until we come back. Just firing off a question, though, I'd like to at least know the category. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's no, not because like we with hear the, the new questions. random, 
category uh-huh. that we have. It has random sports too, so it could be confusing as to what the category is. Okay, so let's let's do this. So you just want to be dialed in. I we'll, get it. We'll play. Yeah. I, I, why don't I get the benefit of you know the LeBron James mm-hmm. you know throwing up the talcum powder and like getting ready mm-hmm. to go or the marshy walking and mm-hmm. guzzling water? Right. Yeah. We could though, you know, in this situation. So he so Don chooses Jamie. Jamie, you go into the cone of silence. You don't know. Yeah. But then as soon as you come back in, we say, okay, your category is By the is way, the football. category is football. Okay. I'm, I'm good with that. And we got a good question here from the 573. Will football be off the board tomorrow? No. No. That's the key to the new gauntlet is you could win a gauntlet trophy by nailing the same category every single time. Yes. Or two out of the three times you get football or whatever. So, yes, the categories are always in play. The contestant will not be. So I will not be available yeah. tomorrow, but football will be. Jamie's been – yeah, it's part of the fun. Yeah. So you could get me tomorrow in football. You could get Marsh tomorrow in baseball. I, I've i thought about the Packers. I even said it to us at Green Bay. I was like, ah. You're like, Green Bay? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you for going for the, the box. Well, though. I just thought to myself, like, they hadn't in their Super Bowl run, they didn't have a home game until the Super Bowl. And then right. last year I was yeah. like, I know they hosted that – game so they had to have a really good record they were the two seed yeah so you weren't you weren't far off all right not playing up to the financial expectations i wonder who that just said what are you talking about there's a trophy on the line for this well if you didn't know uh the gauntlet has had a trophy where if you beat all four members of the fast lane in the past you get a gauntlet trophy presented to you well, now it's three members of the fast lane. You win three times in a row. You will receive a very prestigious, unique gauntlet trophy. We've only handed out like three or something, haven't we? Yeah. Three. And yeah. somebody stole one, too. What? Yeah, remember King Scott? He stole one. Oh, well. Yeah. Okay. Need to pay a visit to King Scott, then, in his house. Jamie. Take care of that. All right. The uh, the Blues, only a handful of players are you just told everybody was going to do actually that. playing up to their, their contract status, according to The Athletic. Oh, God. Here we go again. D- Jamie gets annoyed by these. So this should be fun next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Athletic does uh, these NHL player cards, and they did this oh, with the Blues. And it's from Dom. He put together these player cards. And Marsh, you you had pointed out that only a handful of players are actually playing up to their contract, according to again this this Athletic piece. A lot of these players, especially the defensemen, are not coming off the books anytime soon. So we thought it'd be fun since Jamie. Gets a little, uh, gets a little angry with this. Marsh, you're you're basically just going to throw some of these player cards at Jamie. Just going to toss Jamie, them out there. Yeah, and then Jamie is going to react without throwing up. So Marsh, take over. Before Marshy takes over, the way they've done this is they've taken the player's current salary and they throw a bunch of numbers into a computer 
and it lets them know what this player's current market value is and whether they are overpaid or underpaid based upon the equation. Go ahead, Andrew. <laughs> so we'll start off with, with Ryan O'Reilly. Jamie's super psyched. So Ryan O'Reilly, his salary is uh, $7.5 million. His market value, according to this card, is $2.1 million. So the surplus value is minus 5.4. Right now, in terms of the percentile ranks when it comes to offense, he's 30th percentile, and defensively, he's 6th, which, yeah. is, which is not like Ryan O'Reilly. So because of the season he's having, he's having according to Dom... This Ryan O'Reilly is, is uh, not playing up to his salary. Yeah, um, I don't think you're going to – I'm not going to offer much pushback on the fact that O'Reilly – Ryan O'Reilly is is having a – he's had pockets of a tough year. But if you're telling me his market value is $2.1 million, I'm probably asking you how much you've drank today. Uh, honestly, like mm-hmm. if you want to throw a number at me, you could say that – his current market value is probably five point four million or five point five million dollars, so still not up to the seven point five. Uh, and I know that these are numbers based. It's just you're punching numbers into a computer and it just spits out what the computer thinks. Mm-hmm. Now the computer's never watched a hockey game in its life; doesn't care. It just punches in the numbers. So to this one here, um, again, I think Ryan O'Reilly is probably being paid more than he's currently worth at this point. When it comes to statistically, who else have you got? Before this one will. Uh, before we really get into yeah, it. This one. Do you want to really get into it? Because I know there's one that might upset well, you. Well, why don't you talk about maybe some of the other ones that people thought were bad deals, but then when they look at these young guys, might realize that mm, maybe those are actually good deals that Doug Armstrong got. So Robert Thomas, we'll start with him. 2.8 is his salary because obviously the the extension does not kick in until next year. His market value is 7.6 million. So if you want to compare it to the 8, yeah. Um that's that's right next to it. The the surplus value right now is 4.8 and in terms of offense, he's 90th percentile, uh which is pretty damn good. Yeah, so again, Robert Thomas, this is a contract where you look at the contract extension and what Doug Armstrong was able to do He's right in line with what the numbers tell you. Again, what the numbers tell you. Uh, and $7.6 million and moving into next year is probably going to be, he'll be worth exactly what he's being paid, in my opinion. Who else have we got? Pavel Buchnevich. This is a, this is a good one, too. His salary right now is $5.8 million. His market value is actually $8.6 million. Uh, so the surplus value is two point eight. Yeah, well, this was always a great move by Doug Armstrong. One was a great trade to acquire him for Sammy Blay, um, and then, of course, to re-up him for his current deal, which is paying him 5.8 for this year. And he's definitely worth more than that based on his over-a-point-a-game pace right now. But again, you know, time will tell in the season, whatever. And it Again, it's just it's literally punching numbers into a computer, and the computer tells you whether it's a win or a loss on the contract. Anthony, I'm going to tell you again. It's just taking numbers <laughs> and putting them into a computer, and the computer, who's never watched a hockey game <laughs> in its life, uh, a computer that's never understood what an injury is uh-huh. or, you know, a cold or something that's happening, bad luck, bad bounces, hitting a post, all these things that happen. The yeah. computer 
doesn't know that stuff. So it gives you whatever this is. So Braden Shen, his salary is $6.5 million. His market value, Braden Shen, who's uh, dealt with injuries and played through them, 4.4 is his market value. So he is in the negative when it comes to the surplus value, minus 2.1. His offense is in the 35th percentile. So when you're watching Braden Shen here currently, um, in fact, let's just go all season long. He's got 33 points in 41 games. If he ends up with 70 points on the season, 65 to 70 points, is that not a victory? If you're the St. Louis Blues? I'm asking you, Anthony, is that not a victory? That's a victory, Jamie. That's a big one. And not Wait, to... what does the computer say? Well, the computer says uh, basically he should quit hockey, I okay. think. Okay. <laughs> Now the computer saying his market value is four point four million, a minus two point one million dollar valuation on his current salary, which is six point five million. But again, look, I was being—I've been very facetious along the way here with the computer and the numbers. Right. This is a prime example of why this doesn't always equate. So mathematically, based on the numbers, maybe this is what you get. Right. But knowing what we know about Braden Shen overall playing with broken ribs, separated shoulders. I mean, you name it. He's mm-hmm. going through it. The computer doesn't doesn't factor that in. It, it has no human element to it. And, and so that's why this is flawed based on the fact that Braden Shen is looking at like, oh, he's 4.4 million, but he's, he's hovering at 33 points in 41 games. Like, I'm sorry. Like, he's That's the production that I want from Braden Shen. And then I'm also getting all of these other things too, with the body checks and the block shots. Where are those numbers? They're not in here. And we did, we talked about it earlier that if we go back into, as far as blocking shots is concerned, which is not at all for any of the players, part of this equation, blocking shots is a massive deal. The St. Louis blues. Again, I've said this earlier from 2007, 2008, is when this stat started. When they block 15 or more shots, they're 298, 298 wins, 117 losses. 20 or more shots, 84 wins, 21 losses, and so on and so on. So when you look at Braden Shen as a shot blocker, Ryan O'Reilly as a shot blocker, a guy that takes a hit to make a play, all the things that truly make a hockey player, all the things that truly make a leader in your locker room, they're not at all part of the equation that the athletic is providing here. Sure. And so that's why I have a problem with this this ranking system or this evaluation form. And some of it tells a story. I'm not not discrediting the whole process because I think that there is some value to what they're saying when you have certain players that are point producers, like Vladimir Tarasenko, supposed to be a a point-of-game guy. That's what he's supposed to be doing. He's he's not right now, so his current market value is 5.4 million, not at 7.5. I'd like to think in my head, I'm like, you know, that's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. But I can't agree on every player where they have them ranked based upon this formula that they're providing. And I'm not saying like GMs and, you know, people around the NHL will look at this specific list or these cards or whatever. But when you do look at the market value, how will that affect the, the trade deadline and maybe some extensions that. Blues fans hope to give out next summer. Yeah. Well, they'll look at all these things. Okay. They do. And look at some of them, like some of our text line, they just don't get it either. 
they're talking about here. The computer calls you outdated, Jamie. Really? Oh, that's funny. That's a good one. Um, it says computer. It's not f- from the six three six. A lot of Liberty Bells on this texture. I'll tell you that much. It's not blanking flawed. It's not about what the player has done strictly. It's about what the player has done strictly on the ice. So blocking a shot doesn't happen on the ice. Making a hit doesn't happen on the ice. Stepping up for a teammate doesn't happen on the ice. Rallying the guys on the bench as you're going through a tough time doesn't happen out there. What about the stuff that happens in the locker room where you've got guys that step up in a leadership role? I'm sorry. I, I, I have to disagree with the entire formula of this I look at some of it, and I've I've given it credit in certain aspects, but the numbers, and Tony La Russa, famous for saying, like, they provide information, mm-hmm. and other great coaches tell you how the numbers provide information. They don't tell you the whole story. Right. And so, and this is coming from me, who I agree with what it's doing with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. I agree with that, yes. So it's not like I'm sitting here going, oh, you know, get off my lawn. I just feel like there's certain players right now that do a lot of little things that help your hockey club, that help in a playoff series, that grind the opponent down, that that help teams be winning teams that that are not being recognized right now. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stolzer. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Our NFL Four Downs is next. Jamie, I am the computer. Thank you for your opinion, but you are outdated. Have a nice day. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time for our NFL Four Downs. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. Here's Andrew Marsh. First down. All right, gentlemen, what quarterback can bring stability to Indianapolis next season? Next season? CJ Stroud. Stability. Did you did you want a uh I was thinking maybe a veteran guy? Yeah, maybe. Uh and you really believe CJ Stroud can? No way. I think no, I think CJ Stroud's gonna be the number one overall pick. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he's going to bring stability to the Colts. Number I one? realize that, Jamie, well, that was but what the do you question. want, Matt Ryan? So you think Chicago's <laughs> trading away the number one pick? Yes, I do. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah, I know they're saying, oh, Justin Fields. Uh, yeah, he's our guy, kind of, but we're interested in quarterbacks. No, you're not. You're interested in trading that pick to a team that needs quarterbacks. If you're looking for a veteran guy, I guess Derek Carr. How about that? Is that a ringing endorsement? Mm-hmm. I'd guess Derek Carr. Do you think that team is close enough that if they did have the vet quarterback no. that can get the job done, that no. they can maybe no? So you're just no. they need they need to start anew. They need they need a, a head coach. I think starting with a head coach that knows what what the hell he's doing. No <laughs> that, offense that to Jeff Saturday, start. who I really like as a person. As a person, I loved I I really love Jeff Saturday. He's he is a great guy. You gotta you gotta get somebody in there that knows what he's doing. If Jeff Saturday wants to be an assistant, like if he's really Jamie, if he's really serious about being a head coach in the in the NFL someday, great. Be an assistant for a couple of years. Learn how to do it. Learn learn what it takes. Fine. 
but you need somebody that knows what he's doing. That's that's for starters. Then yeah, a quarterback could help. There's going to be veterans that are going to be be going to be available. Derek Carr is one of them. I don't think Tom Brady goes to Indianapolis, but he he's going to be a free agent too. If you look at where's Indy drafting, fourth. So they're going to have to trade up if they want to get a franchise quarterback. Not necessarily. <sighs> C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and Will Levis are the guys, the three guys that are likely to go somewhere in the top five. So would you entertain, if you're Indianapolis, would you entertain going and signing just a um, just a veteran guy to kind of get you over the hump for a year while your young guy learns life in the NFL and certainly your playbook and certainly probably a new head coach and a new offensive system and all that crap? Yes. Who would that guy be? Like, who would make sense to just kind of usher in, be a bridge quarterback? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Like, is it, um, is it Mitch Trubisky? Is it? No. Okay. So, is it someone like that? I mean, Jimmy Jimmy G is going to be available. Yeah, but I don't see that happening. I, I don't see that happening at all. I think Jimmy G is a guy you're signing because you want him to be your quarterback. Well, they have Nick Foles. Yeah, I don't know. If I wonder if Nick Foles retires. Mike White's available, or will be available. Baker Mayfield is available. Teddy Bridgewater, Gardner Minshew, Sam Darnold. How about Gardner Minshew? How about him? Yeah. I would just say he he. Look, we'll give you a shot. We'll give you a shot. But if not, you're you're going to be the guy that's going to be a backup to to the rookie. We'll give you every opportunity. It's kind of like Marcus Mariota this past year. Marcus mm-hmm. Mariota was on his third team. The Falcons needed a quarterback. They needed a bridge guy. He wanted to be a starter again, so they signed him and said, "Hold off, Desmond Ritter," and he did for a while. And then it got to the point where he threw one too many red zone interceptions in close games, and they said, we got to go with the kid. Gardner Minshew makes a lot of sense for a team like Indianapolis. Mike White makes a lot of sense for a team like, like the Indianapolis. Bridge quarterback will give you a shot, hold off the rookie. If not, we'll go to the kid at some point. So there's a couple of names. Baker Mayfield, to me, is done as a starter. He can't make a throw. That game, that game was putrid on on Sunday against Seattle. That's it. That Teddy Bridgewater, Bridgewater's done as a starter. <gasps> Sam Darnold done as a starter. He lost one important game, Anthony. It was a big game. He Marsh. was great down the stretch. Was he? He just ran around. That's all he did. <laughs> Geno Smith, I expect to sign in, resign in Seattle. Tom Brady, I expect to be a Raider. Derek Carr, okay. He'll be a Jet. Maybe, yeah. But for the Colts, Carter Minshew, Mike White. Mm. One of those guys. Okay. Old Smitty. Oh, Smitty, my guy. <laughs> Old Smitty and Indy. I love it. I love That's that. Really <laughs> I knew it was a simple name. <laughs> Second down. Who has the biggest expectations heading into the playoffs? That's a good question. I think it's the Eagles. Number one seed. I just think that at the season that they've had and all the buzz and the everything, and like, yeah. I feel like the Eagles are the team that everybody's looking at overall like i think everybody anticipated okay the bills the chiefs mm-hmm. heck even the bengals even though they started the season they were a little wonky and people were like whoa that was a team that was in the super bowl yeah well they've showed us here over the last you know 10 weeks or so that yeah that they're back um but i think the expectations at 14 and 3 for the eagles i think they're the team that people are looking at though that's your automatic nfc representative in the super bowl jamie i think that's a great choice i think it's a great choice 
I was going to go with the Bills, but if I'm being honest, could I see the Bills losing to the Bengals? Of course. Could I see them losing to the Chiefs? Of course. Could I even see them losing to the Chargers if Justin Herbert gets hot? Yes, absolutely. The Eagles, the 49ers are the only other team I think in the NFC could win a Super Bowl. The Eagles are the one. But if you got to go to Philly, and Jalen Hurts has had the year he has, and the Eagles have the roster that they have, Jamie, I think that's a great choice. I'll go with the Eagles, too. I feel like if the Eagles do lose, you could be like, hey, Jalen Hurts, not necessarily at his full 100% self. Maybe right. this bye week helps them, but... But it's a that, crap conference, it's right? A, yeah, and they haven't been... A lot, a lot of people have been questioning the Eagles because their schedule wasn't all that tough either but they have dominated teams mm-hmm. at times throughout the season um what do you guys think about the Cowboys that was my team just because they're the Cowboys they have all of these expectations every year I don't care they could be the seventh seed for all we know and they'd have oh the Cowboys you know they got to win the Super Bowl this year Jerry and you know whatever but uh <laughs> <laughs> just they're the Cowboys they're like the Yankees Mike McCarthy could get maybe maybe he if you get balanced again maybe he gets let go oh, maybe Kellen, he he has to. I, I, they're gonna lose against the Buccaneers <sighs> they could I could see it I could see Dak throwing like two interceptions he's been bad over the last month he's not been Kellen, good Kellen Moore has not looked good I'd be Kellen, Kellen Moore has not looked good Kellen Moore has not called great games it's not just McCarthy Dan Quinn is likely to move on he's gonna be a head coach someplace else like the, the Cowboys are one of those teams that I think could be very fragile heading into the postseason and I think that in some respects raises expectations third down Anthony you'll love this one what coach will shrink under pressure Brandon Staley Chargers what the by the way we didn't talk about this yesterday what the hell was this guy doing on Sunday? Anthony, he's only got 45 guys. He's got to play guys. He, I mean, he can't just take guys out of the game. Jamie nailed that. That is, That was his response when asked if, <laughs> asked why he played his starters. That is exactly what That's he what said. he said. Meanwhile, the bleeping Giants started Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, and myself at wide receiver and almost beat the Eagles. That were pretty good. I thought I was uh, I thought I was a defensive back last week. At one point, you were. <laughs> For the Giants, you played both ways. Nice job. Thanks. For Brian Dable. That was that was Brandon Staley's response. Well, you know, it's really difficult to manage. The, the, we only got so many players. What are you talking I'm about? I'm limited with my roster spots here, Rudy. Mike Williams <laughs> got hurt. <laughs> Mike Williams got hurt. He's one of the key difference makers for you. It didn't matter. It The game didn't matter to you. Tom Brady played because he wanted to kind of extend the starting streak. Understand. No problem. Hand the ball off three times. Get the hell out of the game. But Brandon Staley's <laughs> playing the playing his starters in a game that doesn't matter. Every you game gonna, matters, Anthony. You were going to be the fifth seed. You got Mike Williams hurt. Really? Now, apparently, he's going he's gonna to play. Okay. But why would you even risk that? So Gotta Brandon, have momentum, Anthony. They Brandon need some momentum. Staley is the answer, Marsh. <laughs> Who could? Co- what coach could cost you? I was going to say Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy's an easy one. Mm. I'll give you what should be another easy one. Brandon Staley. <laughs> he is the answer. I mean, you've got a really good roster, dude. It is not the. It's not the best roster. But you got a really good roster and a franchise quarterback. Yeah. You're going to ruin it. I think Todd Bowles is on that list, too. Yeah, that's not a bad choice. Mm -hmm. 
Fourth down. All right, what playoff game this week will look like the national championship? Oh, my God. Bills and Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, it will be. Bills Mike and Dolphins. McDaniel himself is going to be under center. Yes, he will. At one point, he will. Mm -hmm. Well, he's lucky they won last week because he was almost under fire. Yeah, and, how, and, how, and how weird is that? You're going to fire a guy who hasn't had a quarterback for 80% of the season? The only like, Tua got hurt what? His first concussion was what? Against Cincy? It was early. Like it was, two or three games in? Yeah, probably. No, three. it was a Thursday night game. Yeah, it was like week four or five. Oh, I was way off. <laughs> you were spot on. <laughs> I think uh, he played against Cincinnati when he shouldn't have. I think that was that No, that it, it happened at Cincinnati. I saw like a weird thing that both the uh, really like big scares this year in the oh, NFL on were, were on that field you know ryan both antonio brown yeah. when he yep. had that big that big hit and, in the playoff ryan, game, Shaz and uh, ryan shazier the yeah. linebacker who all at cincy the ryan shazier injury and the uh, demar hamlin similar mm -hmm. similar vibes i love the game of football i absolutely love it. i love the, the the chess match i love the athletes the toughness the physicality everything that goes into it when Ryan Shazier got hurt, I watched that live. That was the first time in my life I go, oh, my, should I be, should I, should I even be watching this? Yeah. Like, that was the first time, and there's, I've seen other injuries, nasty injuries, but when Ryan Shazier suffered that injury, and he's a Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker who, fortunately, he was able to walk again, never play football again, but when he went down, for whatever reason, I'm like, I don't know if I want to watch this. Mm. Obviously, the Demar Hamlin injury too. Same, same thing. Yeah, it's tough. Not man. same injury, but right. Same impact. Certainly. All right. Who's one Cardinal, one guy you'd feel comfortable extending before the season? We'll get into that conversation. Uh, we'll make it a quick one too. Next, on one when ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jordan Montgomery love on the text line when it comes to the Cardinals and who would who would you feel comfortable extending before the season I figured we get Montgomery maybe a Miles Michaelis Montgomery would be I, I either way one, one of the I, either of those guys would be a great choice what I wouldn't do is extend anyone outside of those players I don't think there's any reason to well we did get a text from the 314 I'd like to see Tyler O'Neill extended I'd like to see Tyler O'Neill do what he do what he did two years ago, and then we can talk. It's the same argument I had last year when this conversation got brought up. People are saying, "Why not extend him now? If he does that again, you have to pay him." Great. I hope so. I hope so. I don't think there's any problem with with forcing a guy that's only done it one year to oh I don't know do it again. Well, it's going to be more expensive, not my money, but at least you have a little bit more peace of mind. Jordan Montgomery, you know who he is. Miles Michaelis, you know what he is. Now, if Michaelis gets hurt, Montgomery gets hurt, that's a different story. That's in a different category. But Jordan Montgomery, you, you, you know exactly what you're getting out of Jordan Montgomery. He's going to eat He's gonna eat innings for you. He's not going to get destroyed. He's going to be solid. He's not going to win, you, he's not gonna win 42, 42 of his starts, but he's, he's somebody that's going to be steady. Miles Michaelis, if he's healthy, steady. Gets hurt, different story. But with Tyler O'Neill, you're talking about one year. 
Jack Flaherty is certainly nobody's nobody's losing sweet sleep over extending him. And I've seen this question too. Well, what if he pitches well? Cool. We'll discuss it at the end of the year. Morris is dying. I just heard that too. I, I thought he was choking at first, but he's laughing. <laughs> what do you? You can hear it. My mic wasn't even turned on either. That's no, how I much I was giggling. Was it Flaherty that got you? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a mic drop. Usually That's Marcy laughs. He's yeah. laughing because he's By listening the way, to mic drop. To take you behind the curtain here, if you're listening, uh, when you send mic drops and they're entertaining, nobody loves them more than Andrew Marcus. <laughs> he's sitting over there and he just giggles and giggles and giggles. And I'm like, okay. You got something so, good. That's what I thought here. He's just giggling. And it's just at the thought of Jack Flaherty. Yeah. It's interesting. Because Marsh, Marsh has to preview the mic drops first to make sure there's no... Uh, the foul language. Yeah, not that our listeners would do that anyway. No, no. Well, some do, so, but some do it in a like a funny way. This one's not meant for the radio. Yeah, <laughs> true. <At laughs> well, we're gonna play it. You got the warning on that one. Yep. But to me, it, it's the, who do, who do we feel comfortable giving a contract? It's Michaelis or Montgomery. It's it's to me, it's only Michaelis or Montgomery at this point. Like I'd love to extend. Uh, it look to extend. You know, maybe. But even then, I mean. He, Tyler O'Neill for me is just I'm still there's question marks surrounding his yeah. health overall. Uh Dylan Carlson is question marks just surrounding him mm-hmm. right now. And who else would you look at? Tommy Edmond? Tommy Edmond, maybe. But jumping, you know, why? quite a you'd be jumping ahead quite a bit there. Yeah. I, I, I I get the I get the thought process. Like yeah. Colton Wong got the uh contract extension the one time and everybody kind of uh they raised their eyebrows and they're a little bit in a huff. And then by the end of it, it's like, you know, it wasn't a bad deal. Paul DeYoung went sideways on you. You've seen other deals. Anthony Rizzo, the deal that the Cubs got him on for because of the deal that the Padres signed him to, great, wound up being a, a, a tremendous deal. The the poster child of contracts like this, signing a guy well before he hits free agency, is Madison Bumgarner. The Giants paid him Nothing. Nothing. I'm talking about contract-wise. Mm. Endorsement's all a different story. They got him for like 50 mil for four years. For four years. The Diamondbacks shelled out the big big money for him. So when you're looking at it and you say, well, why did they sign him so early? He didn't prove himself. That's why. But there's nobody on this Cardinals team. There could be an argument for Tommy Edmund, but even then, just let it play out a little bit. There's no rush. It's one of the advantages you have mm-hmm. in baseball. You, you screw over the young guys. I mean, really, these guys got to go. They have to go through the arbitration process. I don't like it for them, but at the end of it, you do get some guaranteed contracts out of it if you're if you're able to do it. But I don't think there's an extension that makes a lot of sense. All right, do we have a mic drop for Andrew? Why don't we hear it after after the break here? We'll hear it. Uh, we'll hear from Andrew. Also, going to get into the home stand for the Blues, and we do have our biggest question of the day coming up at five thirty. Leave us a mic drop via the one on one ESPN app. We take one question from you. One could be out of the box a little bit. And we've had some really good questions in the first three shows that we've done this. So all of that is coming up in the 5 o'clock hour in the Fast Lane of 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're just talking about the Cardinals and who you feel comfortable extending, what players. And, Jamie, you and I both landed on Jordan Montgomery or Miles Michaelis. Outside of that, they're the ones that make sense right now. 
There's always a, you know, there's a case to be made for Tommy Edmond, but again, again, why? 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 Just let it, let's just play this thing out a little bit here. Andrew left us a mic drop though. This was a really hard one for me to answer, guys. The only name I can really think of that I'd throw a few extra years at is Paul Goldschmidt. And I know he's aging to some extent, but I think that bat keeps playing well into his late 30s. And with the DH in the National League, even if he doesn't play first as much, it just gives more playing time opportunities to young people, or maybe we get you know, a first base bat that comes up through the system or something like that. Um, But, you know, extending him throughout more of Nolan Arenado's contract just keeps that one, two in the lineup to keep building around for even longer. The only reason why I would be hesitant to that if I were the Cardinals is exactly what Andrew mentioned. That's his age. He plays first base. There's not a lot of, you know, wear and tear. You don't worry about the the bat declining too much based on the position. Nonetheless, there was a there was a point. I don't know if it's this, the first half this year. No, it wasn't the first half this year. It was the first half last year, when a lot of people were questioning whether or not the production would fall off the cliff for Goldschmidt because he was struggling. MVP last year, great. I just don't I don't see the need to do it based on his age. That's all. And Andrew did say. I struggle with the question. It's an interesting thought outside the box. What's he got left on this deal again? It's like three years, I think. Why would you do it now? I mean, no point in doing it now. I agree. No point. Paul Goldschmidt, you know he loves it here in St. Louis. You know he loves playing for the Cardinals. You got another couple of years before you're in the last year of his deal. If he's still producing at that point in the last year of his deal, you kick the tires. Two years. Two two years? Okay. Yep. This 2023 and 2024. So let him play out next year. Mm -hmm. He talked to him in the offseason. Right. And if he's still a productive guy, you can't go over the top. You can't give him like a four or five year extension. No, I think you go with a, like a, a two year deal. Mm-hmm. I agree on so that. So it'll be a total of three years after that. And then, and then who knows? Uh, Blues, Flames tonight, pregame starting at six o'clock. So less than an hour now, you get the Blues pregame with Alex Ferrario, Chris Kerber, and Joey Vitale. Jamie, you think this is a telling homestand for the Blues? Based on what what they did on the road trip, and of course the injuries, you had Robert Bortuzzo now to that injury list. What's the significance now of this homestand for you? Well, I think it's a big deal. Obviously, you know you're right there on the on the outside looking in as far as a playoff spot is concerned. And when you look at what you're able to do here now, first of all, with the injuries, okay. You're plugging the holes with guys who aren't necessarily in that spot. So whether it's a guy who's been called up or whether it's someone who's been elevated in the lineup, it's not your usual suspects. And it can't be. You're missing two of your top four defensemen in Krug and Letty, and you're missing one of your top six guys in Bortuzzo. So obviously you've got to fill the void. O'Reilly and Tarasenko, well, one is a power play guy and a regular shift guy. The other guy's an every situation player. So you got to try and make do here. But the beauty of having seven straight games at home is you have last change. And so now you can manipulate the matchups a little bit so that you don't end up with certain guys on the ice or so you don't end up for an extended period of time with certain guys on the ice against other teams' best players or vice versa. Or if you want to... Uh, if you want to get Thomas in that line away from some of the tight checking forwards or defensive groups that you're playing against, 
you have the option of the last change. So I think that for that reason, it plays a big deal. And having being at home plays a big deal with the matchups. But you've got to win games at home. I think right now the Blues are, what, 7, 8, and gosh, I forget what at home. Yeah, you mentioned yesterday. They're, they're just not playing 7, well 8, and 2 at home. It's just strange. It, it's, not, it's not what you need it to be. And with seven games in a row here, like, in my opinion, you got to go 5 and 2. You got to go five and two, and I think that I don't think that's asking a lot because if you look at the schedule, you got Calgary Flames back to back here. They're not an unbeatable team. Last time you played them was in Calgary, and you, and you beat the wheels off them. Mm-hmm. So you got Calgary, Calgary, Tampa. That's going to be a test. You got Ottawa. That should be a win. You got Nashville. Quite honestly, you should be winning that game. And you got Chicago, and then you got Buffalo. So out of these seven games. Your toughest games are probably this week. Calgary, Calgary, Tampa. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. Calgary, Calgary, both teams both teams can can score obviously. Uh but they're they're balanced too. Tampa's a really balanced team. Calgary despite losing you know uh Matthew Chuck, it, still still a very balanced team. Mm-hmm. But ultimately I'm with you. You could go 5 and 2. And you could get this thing pointed in the right direction. Maybe, maybe finally build some momentum here. I, st- I you're, you're now into January, so I don't want to say like, oh, you got plenty of time. But you do have some time here to to find some some footing and push forward. And I'm hoping that they could build off that road trip. But we'll yeah. find out. Hopefully, and it starts tonight. Like we talked about, pregame starts at six o'clock. Uh, Kerber and Vitali on the call at seven. Alex Ferrario and Joy Vitali at six, bringing you the pregame. This should be a fun time for the Blues. It should be. Yeah, you got injuries, but as you continue to creep along here, you're picking up points a little bit here and there, and then you can continue to add hopefully healthy bodies back here, and it could be enough to get your team over the hump. I mean, you got 40 games left in the season. It's a lot of time to get yourself back into the playoff race. No question. That's Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. 513, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Have we seen the last of Aaron Rodgers? You saw him... Uh, exchange not not exchange jerseys with St. Louis's own Jameson Williams on Sunday night. Say no, kid, I'm gonna hang on to this one. And then him and Randall Cobb walking off the field, looking kind of nostalgic. Is this it for Aaron Rodgers? We'll talk about it next on One on One ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on One Hundred One ESPN. Just a little bit after the game, so I want to take the emotion out of it and have conversations and see where the organization's at and see how I feel after some time has passed. I don't like saying never, but got to see how I'm feeling first uh, once the emotion's out of it and then have the right conversations and see see what the best direction is. I had a magical experience. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I'm sure he's got a... He's got to talk to all the ancestors. Have to have uh, those hands all over him. And then Aaron Rodgers, who you just heard speak. I think Aaron Rodgers then can make a decision on his future, guys. But not after he have his, has his uh, karma punched a couple times, huh? Yeah. Yeah, you got, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, Anthony. couple of karma punches. couple of... Uh, some ancestors' hands all over him. What do you think and happens then, first? 
I think it gets his karma punched first, and that opens the door for the ancestors to put their hundred hands on. Well, he's got to drink the tea first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still don't know how to say that word correctly. Uh, the karma one? No, so there's two different things. Oh, the drink you're talking the drink, about? drink, it's like, uh, it starts with an A. Yeah. Absent? No, no. I don't think it's that. It's some hallucinogenic thing. <laughs> I don't know. Either way. You yeah. guys are into some wacky stuff. Do we think Aaron <laughs> do we think Aaron Rodgers was that was that it for him? There was the story that was released Sunday night. Our very own Cardinal Ritter, Jameson Williams, went to Aaron Rodgers after the game and said, Hey, can I get your jersey? And Aaron Rodgers was like, No, nah, I think I'm gonna hang on to this one. And then you saw him and Randall Cobb, and they were kind of looking nostalgic walking off the field at Lambeau Field. I don't think this is it for Aaron Rodgers. He just signed the deal before before the season started, and he made it, he's made a, a buttload of money. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think he would sign that deal and walk away after a year, despite the fact that he hasn't had a good year. He hasn't, and I've been kind of critical of Aaron Rodgers. Because I feel like this is always there's always there was always the excuse for Rodgers. That's the fact that they didn't spend a lot in free agency. That was the issue, or they never had a home game. Yeah, they've lost a bunch of playoff home games now, and I'll throw Sunday's game into uh, into that mix, considering that that was essentially a playoff game for you. You win, you're in. You've hosted playoff games. You've lost. You had the number one seed last year, as we know, in the gauntlet earlier today. Number one seed last year, lost at home, first game. There's always been an excuse for Aaron Rodgers. But him not him not having his best statistical year, I don't think that prevents him from from walking away or, or signals that he'll walk away. I think he's going to be back next season. What do you guys think? Is he back with the Packers, though? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Who, Aaron Rodgers, back yeah. with the Packers? Yes. He had his opportunity to, to jet. Yeah, I just I do like Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Alan Lazard had a an interesting interview the other day that he might not even come back either. Um but then you know, you have your running backs as well. They have the pieces there, but now you have Jamie's Lions that are on the come yeah, up. Yeah, baby. You have the Vikings who did what they did this year. Right. You have the Bears who won't do anything next year. <laughs> the NFC's garbage. Yeah. Relatively speaking, you compare the AFC to the NFC, the, the NFC's gar- garbage. The Eagles are the number one seed, and I think they are definitively the, the number one team in that conference. The 49ers are a close second. I would not be shocked, even with Brock Purdy at, at quarterback, the 49ers going to the Super Bowl this year. Wouldn't put it past them. But th- this is a conference that, is up for grabs and was up for grabs coming into the year. That Packers roster is good enough to make the playoffs. So I don't think that when you look at like the rosters, oh well, is it good enough? Yeah, is it's it, good enough? It's good enough in that that division. Is it good enough for Aaron Rodgers? Okay, that's well, the question. Aaron, they make the they make the decisions, man. Because Aaron Rodgers wanted Randall Cobb, had to have Randall Cobb back. Randall Cobb's fine, but Aaron Rodgers shouldn't be making the decisions on the roster. Does Aaron Rodgers does he have does he have a, a full grasp of the salary cap? Has he been watching college football tape? Like I don't understand this notion that that your even your franchise quarterbacks 
should have significant input on roster decisions or even the head coach for that matter. Like we saw we saw before the show, Marsh, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is going to have an opportunity to have a say on who the head coach is. Mm-hmm. Michael Bidwell, the, the, one of the owners there for Arizona, the owner for the Arizona, Arizona Cardinals, reportedly is going to give Kyler Murray an opportunity to have a say on who the head coach is. Why? That's not his job. You tell him who the head coach is. You're picking somebody that is essentially the CEO of your company. And you want this kid who had to have a provision in his contract to actually study game film and not play video games to all, you know, and all, all hours of the night to have a say on who, what the hell does he know? You make that decision. You tell him, this is your head coach. You listen to him. Doesn't make sense. Even for a Super Bowl winning quarterback, an MVP quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, he should not have say on the roster. That's not your job. Now, could we find somebody better for that role? Maybe. Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett. Bring him back. But Aaron Rodgers, I'm sorry. Hey, Jamie, do you, do you disagree with this former former player? Yeah. Former player in the NHL. Brett, yeah. Bretta, you played with some unbelievable players in your career, not mm-hmm. only in St. Louis, but in, but in other areas. Brett Hall. Yeah. Brett Hall, Chris Pronger, Al McInnes. You go to Detroit. You got Stevie Y. You got Pavel Datsuk. Get these play- unbelievable players. Should they be making roster decisions? No. Should we talk about free agents? Yeah, you should sign this guy. No, you can't do that. Once you give the power to the players, then you've lost the team. Because each player has a different vision for what you, they'd like to do with the team. I mean, you ask Brett Hall, he's going to tell you he wants a guy who passes him the puck. Right. You know, you ask Chris Pronger, you know, maybe he wants a goalie that can put up big numbers. Yeah. So, no, you can't bring the players in. If you're going to bring in your leadership group, uh, maybe you say, hey, look, these are areas we'd like to address. Any thoughts on players that you think could help our team? You know, there's this, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. Okay, mm-hmm. great. We're going to go do our research now and yeah. go from there. Yeah, it's it's a little different to say, hey, guys, come on in. Leadership team, come on in. We're thinking about adding this player. What are your thoughts? No, that guy is an absolute scumbag. Don't touch him. I know for a fact. Here's nine stories. This guy's he's a terrible teammate. That's different. To bring in somebody and say, hey, who do you think we should draft? No. I'll give you another example. One of the smarter organizations in the National Football League, Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid and the Chiefs reportedly on draft night reached out to Patrick Mahomes. What do you think? Here's a couple of options. They had the 32nd overall pick. They're coming off the Super Bowl year. Patrick Patrick Mahomes goes, hey, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, come on. He's been a he's been a fine player, okay. But how many guy, how many other guys could have helped maybe your defense at that point? Yeah. But he, you're going to go to your quarterback. Hey, you you make this selection. Here's a, here's a couple of options. What do you think? No, you make that decision. Let well, him play quarterback because the quarterback is going to want an offensive player. Shocking. Yeah. Shocking. He went with the running back. And I think, I honestly think they were looking at, if I remember the correct, the story correctly, they were looking at other, they did need a running back, different running backs. They did need a running back. Nonetheless, even somebody who just won the Super Bowl for you, your franchise, you, you put the roster together, man. 
That's your job. That's what you're here for. You you let him do his thing. Anyways, I don't know how we got off the Aaron Rodgers I still think is, is going to come back next year. By the way, thanks to the text line, they're always helping us out with information. It's ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. That's a little drink That's he uh, drink. has been sipping on. Good for you there, Aaron. Punching his karma instead punching of his karma. punching a ticket to the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a walk-off for Marshy. All right, we've got our big question of the day next on the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time for the big question of the day. This is where you have an opportunity to leave us a mic drop. We'll choose one of your questions. Marsh, actually, to be more specific, he'll choose one of your questions. Could be kind of out of the box. Doesn't have to be necessarily pertinent to uh, this day. But today's big question of the day comes from Stevie. What's up, my dudes? You totally rock. Okay, here's my question. Since the Cardinals have technically raised the payroll, should we change the narrative to but have you improved the ball club? Thanks. I think it's a good I think it's a really good question. So have have the Cardinals improved their ball club from where they were last season? On paper? No. I don't think you've gotten worse. But this this idea, this notion has been raised to us before. If Wilson Contreras only does what Albert Pujols did. So in other words, Wilson Contreras just replaces the production that you got from Albert Pujols in the second half last year. Have you improved or have you just kind of taken a big step sideways? On paper, you've taken a big step sideways. Now, this is assuming, of course, that Albert Pujols would would be able to return this year and give you the exact same production that he had last year. But no, you just just essentially replace the production. So you've taken a step sideways. Obviously, the variables have changed, and Willis Contreras is more likely to put up career norms than than Albert Pujols was. But nonetheless, you haven't done much to improve yourself on paper. I'm interested to see how Contreras handles the pitching. In, In key situations where Yachty has been that guy that go out there, calm things down, knows exactly what to throw right when to throw it are we going to see something similar to that and how how many games did yadi save just by being back there sure that's what i'm interested to see at least you get a veteran yeah look you're not going to replace yadi to your For, point yes to your point marsh you're not going to replace yari molina you knew that at least you went out there and got a veteran who oh by the way was the main catcher for the Cubs when they won the World Series. Like this, and and can improve offensively at that position. But the question I had coming into the offseason was, how many questions could you eliminate? The replacing Yadier Molina was was probably the number one question. So you did check that off. How many other questions did you did you eliminate though? None. I don't. I mean, I don't know how many questions we had. I mean, there's a ton of questions, but there's one. How many answers did we get? Outside of who's going to replace the Ironman, none. I think we got one answer. Um, but those questions won't be answered until we see it happen. 
okay, so so based off that that statement, you ready? Just just say question question or answer. Okay, okay. you get the idea. Tyler O'Neill. Question. Dylan Carlson. Question. Lars Taylor Tetsui Nude Bar. I'm going to say answer because I think we know what he is. Okay, so one of your outfielders. You we we know there. what he can do. Sure. Now, maybe there's another part to that. What can he do for a full season? Mm-hmm. But we know what he can do. Your your starting pitching staff. Question. Okay. Because you don't have the top end guy. Like not the top end guy. You know you know what you're gonna you know what you know what you're gonna get you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. But even if we if we say like Steven Matz. I mean he's question unless he could be healthy, right? You could say that for every single one of these pitchers. Adam Wainwright, despite despite Wayno doing what he has done for this organization, especially lately when he has been the guy yeah. to step up consistently when you have had injury after injury after injury. Yet he was the one that also got got hurt at the end of the year. The only reason why he did not start, why, the only reason why Quintana started in game one and not Adam Wainwright is because, unfortunately, Adam Wainwright's last five starts weren't good. Yeah, the, the funky mechanics. Right. Is that going to be fixed? Question. We, we, we would think it will be. You have a lot of time to to figure that out. But, yeah, that that's also a question. I'm hoping, too, that some of some of the changes that you made this offseason, while it didn't impact the roster, I am excited about this coaching staff. Matt I am, Holiday, too. Matt yeah. Holiday coming in as a bench coach. Anybody that's been bitching about the the you know Jeff Albert experience, you got Turner Ward now. My guess is if I'm making a prediction, so I, I've been I've been in St. Louis now for moved here in 2010. Didn't start working for the radio station until 2012, the year after they won the World Series. You had you've had three hitting coaches since that that point, or maybe it was just John Mabry to Jeff Albert. I think that was it. But the the hitting coach winds up being a lightning rod. My prediction is Turner Ward will still be a lightning rod because that's so? just that's just the nature of the 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 that spot. You go around baseball, 30, 30 MLB organizations. The only time the hitting coach is doing anything is when you've got a great offense. Yeah, but you get but even then you can't. A lot of times you can't name who, like the Yankees hitting coach. Who's the Yankees hitting coach? I have no idea. Who's the guys that are hitting the middle of that lineup, Marsh? Middle of that lineup, yeah, whatever. Who's who's the top guy? Well, I was gonna say Judge, but sometimes he leads off. Um, you know, you... don't get too tactical. Judge, Judge, Stanton, DJ LeMayhew, who... Donaldson in there, Josh Donaldson, sure. But he... DJ LeMayhew not coming off a good year, but he was a batting champ at one point. Right. Like Harrison Bader, now the the nature of the hitting coach to me, I I've never understood like the the venom that is often spit at the, the the hitting coach when the offense is struggling. Yet a lot of the players get off scot free, but it's just the nature of the of the position. I'm excited that they got somebody else because everybody's hated Jeff Albert. So I'm excited to see what Turner Ward can do. Matt Holiday again, we mentioned him, and then Dusty Blake, the new pitching coach, who I'll lean on BT on this. I don't know Dusty Blake, BT. Speaks very highly of Dusty mm-hmm. Blake. From an analytic standpoint, the way the attack opponents, things like that, apparently Dusty Blake is is a, a good, young, up-and-coming coach. I'm excited for it. Nonetheless, you got plenty of questions, Marsh. Ton of questions. 
which I don't even know if they're going to be answered midway through the year. We're going to have to wait all season long to see, okay, the pitching staff, well, they've they've done they've done their job. Okay, can they get it done in the postseason? Right. The yeah. offense. And we got to wait 10 months. It's like watching your favorite show, binge watching it. And you're like, wait a minute. I got to wait two years for the next season to come out. It's like watching a. What a, the heck? It's like watching a movie you're excited about. But as you're watching, you're like, damn it. I know exactly how this is going to end. Yeah. You call it out right from the right from the get go. And then it does. And then you're like, I need to uh, got me again. Anthony, you absolutely walked right into this text message. <laughs> So this 11-year World Series list streak is it's on, on me. Anthony. <laughs> it's on me. I didn't believe. Uh, I didn't believe. I was going to say <laughs> something very similar, but the Blues won a Stanley Cup while you were here. That's true. So I, I feel like that's thrown out the window. Yeah. Thanks, you know? Marsh. I had I nothing like to do with either things. I, I, I had nothing to do with the Cardinals. Drought, you know, the the World Series drought. Yeah. I, I had certainly nothing to do with the Blues mm. winning the Stanley Cup in 2019. It's just awfully convenient. It's just awfully convenient to, to get the blame on that. All right, when we return, what you missed ahead of Blues Flames pregame here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. If you missed anything from today's show, make sure you download the podcast, 101ESPN.com, or on the 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dallas Tire and Auto Centers. Certainly talked a little bit of blues, and we will have the Blues and Flames pregame, 6 o'clock. Alex Ferrario, of course, you'll hear from Chris Kerber, voice of the Blues, and Joy Vitale as well, leading you up to that Blues and Flames uh, matchup. Talked a little bit about the College Football National Championship, too. Certainly a disappointment. And a lot of people felt like, hey, Alabama should have been there. Yeah. From a talent standpoint, from just an overall entertainment standpoint, I wish Alabama was in that mix. Well, Nick Saban was there. Nick Saban was there. Dressed in his Aflac suit. Alabama's represented, Marsh. Marsh, Mm -hmm. well well said. But But there is a difference between having a roster that is capable of winning a national championship and earning that spot in the playoff. And I think that's what what some people are missing on this. Is Alabama a better team than TCU? Yes, not the discussion. Did Alabama earn an opportunity to go to the playoffs? No. Lost to Tennessee, lost to LSU. Did TCU earn a spot in the college football playoff based on the fact they only had one loss, which everybody wants to highlight, none of the wins? No. Of course, I mean, of course they did. They were in that spot. And sorry, they earned a they earned a place in the national championship game because they beat Michigan. So if you're ticked off at TCU, don't or if you're ticked off based on last night's game, be ticked be ticked off at Michigan, be ticked off at Bama, be ticked off at USC who had its opportunity, be ticked off at Tennessee who oh by the way were the number one team in the nation when the first college football playoff was released. Don't blame TCU because they didn't have the athletes. Georgia did. So we talked about that. Also sprinkled in some sprinkled in some Cardinals. Although Marsh, I felt like you're trolling people today. If I could be honest, I felt like you're trolling people. What are you talking about? You mixed in some Jack Flaherty talk, some ah. Tyler O'Neill talk. It's like, besides Mo, 
And Jeff Albert, who I can no longer throw into the mix, Marsh goes, who else is polarizing? Jack Flaherty, Tyler O'Neill. We'll throw some topics in there. I love it, though. All right, Marsh, what do we got for criticisms and compliments? Well, we'll just start with uh, the Cardinals, and we always use the words hope and what if and all these very true you know hypothetical things from the 618 quit talking if and hope i want facts okay (laughs) (laughs) that's how i think they texted in i don't know i could be completely wrong but it is all capitalized all right well here's here's the here's the facts on paper you don't match up with the phillies the mets the braves the dodgers and the padres there's your fact you don't match up with those teams on paper fortunately the games aren't played on paper that's i mean that's that's all we can that's all we can say in the national league you don't match up with those teams you didn't spend enough to match up with those teams but but baseball isn't played on paper Mm -hmm. it's not it's played on a diamond anthony six months from now we'll be talking about the cardinals not having enough probably yeah 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 but even that's not a fact marsh Mm -hmm. it's not just a prediction from the 636, TCU, their play can be compared to Marshy's gauntlet play. Thank you very much. Hey, that's not. First of all, Marsh is O and O. I am. He has not been chosen yet not in yet. the gauntlet. You know who's got a worse winning percentage in gauntlet 2.0? Jamie. He who, does. Who lost the day. Mm-hmm. So don't be picking on Marsh. Well, technically, we have the same winning percentage. It's at zero. The, the losing percentage, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Is losing percentage a thing? I don't think so, but uh, for this for this purpose. Absolutely. I'm trying to prop you up while taking Jamie Rivers down. Well, By the I way, Jamie's that. not here. That's why I'm saying this stuff. Never say it to the guy's I'm face. Sure. He'd uh, take my soul. I'm sure he's listening. Speak, speaking of uh, Jamie from the 636, LOL. I love it when Jamie tells Anthony he doesn't like his attitude. <laughs> it's like Jamie's going to take Stalter out to the woodshed. Out to the woodshed, behind the woodshed, up on top of the woodshed, yeah. Here's another uh, upset texter uh, from the 314. It's always ifs with the Cardinals, <laughs> except for Arenado and Goldie. Damn it, I'm sick of it. Step up to the plate and produce or trade them. I love it. That's what I think it sounded like. You know, I'm not sure if that's exactly how it sounded, but Sounds um, like it. you know, in my head, that's... That's if I were to text that and be upset, that's exactly how I would sound. Yeah. So uh, we got one from. Uh, OK, here we go. Great show today, guys. Sadly, I had to miss the first hour of the show. Now on Tuesday and Thursdays, college classes come first. Keep up the great work, guys. That is from Swab. Charles Swab uh, actually texted. Oh, no, that's Swan. Swan. Yeah. That's Swan. Yeah, he put a B <laughs> instead of an N. Thank you, Swan. <laughs> Charles Schwab texted us. <laughs> That's interesting. I appreciate you, Charles Schwab. By the way, just going back, just just going back on the uh, the whole like ifs and th- uh, yeah, I don't know what to tell you on that. I don't. I don't <laughs> I'm know. Sick of it. I, I don't. What? Because if we don't talk enough Cardinals, then people are upset about that too. So I don't really know. I don't really know where we go from here on that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just got a tweet on that, or yeah, tweet. And when the Cardinals lose in the first round, will you apologize for Mosellock or actually hold them accountable? I don't know. Th- I get this. I get this tweet from the same guy all the time. <laughs> How the? I almost cursed. This guy literally <laughs> almost made me curse. 
<laughs> How the hell do I do I hold Mo accountable? <laughs> I'm telling you, you gotta go to Bush Stadium with your sign. Seriously, <laughs> and you, you gotta walk around with it outside. You know, do you outside think, of Ballpark Village? Do you do you really think that the Cardinals ownership is sitting there and saying, "Well, you know that idiot Anthony Stalter, he he don't like Mo. Let's get rid of him." You know that guy on the radio. Who does the four-hour show there on ESPN? Yeah, he was saying that uh, Mo, Mo should go. What is wrong with you? Do you do you think I have that much power? Even if I were to sit here hour after hour after hour and say Mo does a terrible job, do you really think that the Wits are like? Anthony Stalter said that. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fire Mo. I never thought about it. <laughs> Do you think I have that much power? You better hold him accountable. What does that mean? <laughs> Will you actually hold Mo accountable? <laughs> I can only give you my opinion, which I do all the time. But you wait, you wait by your radio or your cell phone every day. If Anthony doesn't say the Cardinals should fire Mo, I'm going to tweet him again. <laughs> I am going to write a letter. <laughs> could you imagine, guys, could you imagine DeWitt in his office or on his private jet thinking to himself, Damn it, if Anthony Stalter holds Mo accountable, he's gone. <laughs> Come on. I'll give you my opinion on it. Do I think they had a great offseason? No. Would I have signed Carlos Rodon? Yes. Does Car- did Carlos Rodon want to be here? I have no idea. Would I have signed one of the 8 billion shortstops over the last two years and free? Yes. I don't control that, guys. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Same guy all the time. Will we actually hold him accountable? What the hell are you talking about? Oh, God. I can't hold myself accountable. How the hell am I going to hold John Mozeliak accountable? I'm a disaster. You want me to hold John Mozeliak accountable? Oh, man. You better hold him accountable. Come on. All right. Blues hockey coming up next. <laughs> See ya. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.